Welcome to the Voice of the Force podcast, Temple Archives books, Thrawn Ascendancy, Greater Good. Once again, we've got a little bit of a mouthful today, but it uh, it all makes up for it once we get into this particular book. My name is Noma, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dan. My name is Dan, and I'm joined by our other co-host, Ed. Wow, you just completely... Don't you steal my limelight? What is this? <laughs> Do that again. No, take that. I want to be <laughs> the patriarch <laughs> of this family? <laughs> Shut up, Sistalmu. What do you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, here, I'll give you some more responsibility then, because we are continuing in our fun little May 4th giveaway right now. So, Dan, tell the viewers about that. I will do what I must for the family. <laughs> Yes, we have a May the 4th giveaway that was started on May the 4th, and it goes until May 30th. You can win a copy of Limited Run Games' Star Wars Republic Commando for the PS4, and is the limited edition, collector's edition version of it. You get a steel case, a slip case, some art cards, double-sided poster, a commemorative coin, a certificate of authenticity where it shows you the number that was printed versus the number of copies that were actually printed in the run for it. And that will be released in October and we'll deliver in October once we announce the winner on May 31st. And you can enter on Twitter, find the post on Twitter, and you can enter there by following the instructions. Please read the instructions carefully. I've seen a few people that have just like done the hashtag voice force pod underneath that post, which is not the proper instructions. So make sure you read them. And then make sure you go to Instagram if you have an Instagram account. And we have a post there as well to get more entries for the same product. So it's only one product that we're giving away between Twitter and Instagram. So if you want more entries, follow Instagram because there's a lot more opportunities on Instagram than there is on Twitter. But an entry is an entry and you might win. So thank you very much. I went back to you. All right. Well, let me just immediately toss it back to Ed then. Uh, (laughs) And uh, yeah, Ed, do you mind telling the viewers what the podcast is about? Absolutely. So on Temple Archives, if we're discussing media, we go over that. If we're discussing books, we go over that. If we're discussing comics, we go over that. But mainly what we do in any of those is we summarize the story for you. We tell you how it relates to any Legends material, how it relates to any canon material. We have a quick discussion on it. It could be anywhere from half an hour to two hours, depending on the content itself. But it's always good discussion. It's always engaging discussion. And we try to tell you where it fits in the timeline as well. But it's so engaging that if you feel like you want to say something or if you need to hear it again, you can go to the website, www.voiceoftheforce.com. If you have anything to say about it, you can email us at voiceoftheforce.gmail.com. If you're more on social media, especially if you want to get into this contest, we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. You find us at Voice Force Pod. There you can retweet or repost any of our new episode tweets, anything we tweet or post, really, because it does help with growing the listener base, and it is very much appreciated. But in order to find us and listen to all this stuff right away, as soon as things come out, just listen, rate, review, subscribe, and follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, and all major podcast platforms. Seriously, though, five stars, amazing. We keep putting out content for you. We may we make you a trial born, yes. <laughs> okay, merit adoptive. Merit adoptive. We'll give them merit adoptive status. <laughs> but seriously, if as soon as you follow or subscribe, you will get latest uh, episode. Uh, episode. <laughs> <laughs> you will get latest episode announcements. I've been getting a few of them myself when they are posted, and it's it's really easy. Like, Spotify lets you know right away. Google Play lets you know right away. And you get the episode art on Spotify and a few other places. Yeah, yeah, and it's great to have, so definitely check that out. But honestly, 
stick with us throughout this whole thing. If you love Thrawn, you're going to love this one because when we get to the outro, if you like this episode, we'll tell you what's coming up on the next Temple Archives. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Ed. And now that we've wrapped up all that info, let's get into the review proper. So just like last time, the Throne Ascendancy second book has two different covers. And just like last time again, the first one is very stylized. It's a little bit more dangerous, I think. Is dangerous the right word? It gives off a feel of danger in this one because we've got a completely red background and then we've got a white uh, outline of Thrawn in the center and he's surrounded by the Chimera emblem, which is an all black. And uh, yeah, it's a very striking cover. It, it definitely kind of invokes, uh, you know, like I said, danger and threats of violence because of that bright red in it. It's uh, it's a, a little bit less stylized than the last book. I think I like that shadow of the start that also looks like a Star Destroyer with the Chimera symbol a little bit more. But yeah, this one is it's pretty good, honestly. Uh, you know, it's a nice continuation of the same style that they've set for this trilogy so far. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have any other thoughts on this as well? There, there is something I really like about the Chimera emblem, but that's yeah, for the yeah. Discussion. yeah. I love that. It's- Especially with the thing being the chimera itself, with Thrawn mm. there, it's like to almost show you like he's in he's within the belly of the beast right now. Mm. Especially with what's going on in this book and all the nonsense of politics that's happening, and we know what he's like with politics. So with that chimera surrounding him, it's just like you know, will he be able to escape? Will he be able to get out of this? The situations that he finds himself in, will he be able to get through? And mm. I think this is a good representation of a cover. Oh yeah. So I think it definitely is great imagery. Like the fact that Ron is in the middle of this cover and he so stark contrast from the black and the red as a white care like a white silhouette Mm. is is really good. And it it kind of evokes like he's walking through something or like he's on a journey or or something of that nature. And I don't know. The the red and the black, like the the people who are who have made the cover for this did did you say the name already? Sorry. No, not yet. Okay. No. Yeah, they, they really kill it on these covers. They're so minimalist, mm. but they are so... Like, if you saw this on a shelf, you'd be like, oh, what is that? I want to see what that is. You know what I mean? Even if, you, like, if you're a Star Wars fan, you're not really sure what you know book you want to read next, and you saw this on the shelf pointing at you, I'd go grab it. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And yeah, speaking about uh, what Dan was just talking about, yeah, the author for this book is Timothy Zahn, as always. We've got the same cover artist from last time, Sarovsky. The book designer is Elizabeth Adeno. And the narrator for the audiobook is Mark Thompson. If I've mispronounced anyone's names, I apologize. Yeah, just like last time as well, we've got the second limited edition cover, which is a now we've uh, we've aged Thrawn up quite a bit. So I think we're, you know, past Academy days. I'd assume what he actually looks like in this book now with his, you know, more uh, elegant, looking chiss uniform since he's senior captain with all the medals and little emblems draped over his uh his chest and yeah it's an interesting look and i what i really like about this one as well is we really kind of see a little you know a couple more details about chiss hierarchy like you know he's got all these medals that are either rank medallions or uh you know actual honor medals draped across his chest and they're kind of hanging off these chains between his shoulders so you know we get thing that shows us that's how the chest ascendancy does it as opposed to you know like the chest badges of the empire or something like that and uh yeah the cover art for this one is magali uh venenue venenue i've i keep butchering your name i apologize so much for that 
and yeah same thing as last time as well where the background is is like a stark dark with an orange uh, highlight behind him that really kind of uh, illuminates Thrawn and brings his details to light. But this cover looks really cool as well. And it's, it's you know, it's following the same pattern last time where, you know, uh, with the Sarovsky covers, we're getting this very minimalist, but very, very evocative images for each book. And with Magali's art, we're getting this uh, slow progression of Thrawn's age and kind of seeing how he evolves through his time in the Chist Ascendancy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, any other thoughts you guys have about this? The second cover here, it just... They murder these covers. I don't know what I don't know what they do or like what they talk about with you know Timothy Zahn or like the different intricacies on the uniform. You mean you mean murder in a good way, right? Oh yeah, like they, sorry, sorry they kill it. That. They yeah, kill it. They kill it. Yeah, murder for me is like they like beyond killed it. They destroy it. Like they just <laughs> they made this cover and then like if you don't buy this book, something wrong with you guys. Villanueva, your cover is plus ultra. Oh my god, um. yes. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's so good. Mm. I keep forgetting to reference these before I start reading the book because the problem I have is every time I think Chiss, I see him in the form of the Old Republic where their eyes are just completely red and they've got mm. like that bright spot for a pupil that you really have to focus on. Whereas with these covers, you can really see like they, they're just, they just got like a red background to them. Mm. Like everything's overshot red, but you, they still have visible irises and pupils and all that. Mm. So like when they're talking, like when, certain scenes come through where they're looking at someone and there's like oh he stared icily at him or whatever i'm just like all i'm seeing is like a bright red like terminator <laughs> i was like okay <laughs> i was just like i don't get how you get icy or not but like looking at this now it's like uh mm-hmm. okay like it's you really get a sense for it looking at this cover versus anything else. i would love to so. talk to magali and just see like what the process is for this just to know like what how much free reign did they get in making this cover and they like the the three i'm assuming they're making a third one mm. covers of thrawn going through his different ranks and stuff like that i would love to know if they t- if they talk to timothy zahn about this or is it they talk to lucasfilm like probably both yeah, mind, because, you know what i mean again because with with my thoughts in my head from it and seeing what i saw versus this this has more like the rebels kind of take on him where he has sure. the pupils, he has the irises, mm. all that, whereas the Republic didn't. Mm. And they, if you take those out, like specifically the pupils and the irises out, and you just leave it red, that's yeah. what I'm seeing the entire time. So picture like a Duros almost sure. yeah, yeah. with them, right? Like that's what I'm seeing. So it was just like, oh, okay, okay. I'm really trying to see where this is more of like Pantoran with an with an eye condition. Yeah, they got, they got, they got pink eyes. <laughs> yeah. Uh- the one thing I just noticed about Thrawn's face on this one is that, you know how, like, the Chiss have, like, these, like, really, like, extruded... Extruded, is that the one? Protruding? Yeah, protruding, sorry. Like, parts of their, like, brow area on their forehead. Really? Yeah, well, at least in Rebels they did. Like, Thrawn did. Uh, I think that's... Yeah, a, yeah. No, that, okay. that's that just a, Was that that's, an art That's choice? an animation thing, Okay, too. okay. This is... They're as near human as you can get. They just that's have blue figured. skin and red Yeah, because in, in Rebels it showed, like, he has a pretty big... Like, it's not huge, but it's, He's like, also it's, much skinnier. Mm. yes yeah he's more gaunt yes. i guess but a lot of the characters are pretty skinny in rebels just because of how it's done like he's Zeb is big this, but he's lanky yeah well it's, it's yeah because rebels i think is it's i, I don't want to say aping but it's like a whole it's all using the ralph Macquarie style right 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 so, so i think that's a little bit part more. of that stylistic choice yeah all right 
Yeah, so I think that's about all we got for the covers. So from here, let's move on to the spoiler-free synopsis. As Thrawn and his inner circle of allies deal with the remnants of the Nikardun, the shadowy figure Jixtus begins to weave a plot to destroy the Chiss before they can even become aware of his presence. A race against time begins, as Thrawn attempts to unravel a mystery before the Ascendancy tears itself apart. And uh, yes, on that same vein, uh, Dan, what are your thoughts on the second of the three Thrawn books? It's a good book. It's... I wouldn't call it greater than the last book, mm. but I would, it wasn't, yeah, that was a bad pun. <laughs> I would, I would, I would recommend it if you want to see what happens in the third book, because it does set up the third book very well, because um, mm. it doesn't, I don't know if this is too spoilery, it doesn't focus on Thrawn as much as the last one, as I would, I would have hoped, but it does, it does have good, like the moments that he's in it, it are the good, like it's really good. I, like I said, I enjoyed it. I I didn't enjoy it as much as the last book because we get lots of Thrawn in that. And that's really why I'm reading these because mm. um, I really enjoy Thrawn's, his own plans and like executing them and just like manipulating strategies and people and, and all that stuff. It's really good. This one, you get a little bit more of the opposite. You get like the, the other side, right? And it really provides a good overall development for everyone else mm. so that, yeah that's my thought yeah that's fair ed how about you uh i'm gonna add the word potential to dan's mm. statement just for like the whole setup for three it's not out yet so we can't say for sure like you know to book through my tank and it might just end off on a like a <laughs> that, would be, that would hurt, that would hurt yeah. me. and it would suck but at this point you know a lot. I've read a lot of reviews just on Audible and on uh, Penguin Random House and all that, and just like, oh yeah, oh, it's not thrown as much, and why and all this. But at the same time, I remember seeing the last one. It's just like, I, at least me specifically, I want to see more of the Ascendancy. I want to see more because we have things so Thrawn centralized that it's you know most of the time you see it's everybody against Thrawn. But mm. how do the families interact, and how does this interact, and how does this interact? And with greater good, we get to see a lot more of that and just everyday life for like a regular chiss, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of military. Mm -hmm. And like, as I can understand how frustrating that can be for you name the book Thrawn and then do that. Like if this was more of just like a, if it wasn't labeled Thrawn, I don't think people would have had such a problem. Um, yeah, that's true. If they just but, said like Chiss Ascendancy, Greater Good, probably wouldn't. Exactly, yeah. right? At that point, then you would you would have a different kind of feel going into it. Now, did that take away from everything? It might. It can. Things can get difficult. It can get difficult to get through some parts. Like I did, I was really struggling with some parts just to make it through. But overall, it is a good story you need to take in. At, by the time you're at the end, you realize just how much you needed to take in everything in order mm -hmm. to have a kind of ending like that. I actually wish they would have gone a little further in explaining more side characters, I guess you could say, or secondary characters. I went because it would have added a lot more to certain parts of the book. I can get into that later, but overall, yeah. If I take it as like Chiss Ascendancy book, then yes, I would definitely think of it differently, but because it's Thrawn ascendancy at that point i i 
had to just give it a lower rank in my head than I would have liked. Because when you think that, like I said before, you think that you're expecting something and you really didn't, you really don't get as much as you think you would. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it goes more men's over Anson than anything, I will say, just to be spoiler free. But <laughs> if you understand that term, you understand what's happening. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And just, you know, my, my thoughts are basically the same as you guys is this book is, it's really good for world building kind of the chiss and well specifically just like the politics and the outskirts of chiss society mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily the outskirts because that makes it sound like it's the, drains, the outskirts but, it's like the yeah outskirts. the the outer the outer territories of the chiss yeah it's a lot of world building it's a lot of politics and you're and yeah you guys are right there's not a lot of thrawn it's a lot of setup for the third book and yeah it's just one of those things because man i couldn't I couldn't decide whether I was really invested in this book or just was fading out and kind of stopped paying attention at a lot of certain parts of it. Reminds One me thing, of Alphabet Squadron book two. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's very much that same vein where it's like, oh, something interesting happened. Two and a half hours now of nothing really happening mm-hmm. as the gears slowly turn. Yeah. And one other thing, we'll talk about it more in the spoiler section of the review, but there are a lot of characters with very similar names in this book. And I just, I was on one hand already, just for me, I wasn't super interested in them to begin with because they don't, Thrawn doesn't even know they exist, basically. Mm -hmm. And because they're so far removed from him, it made me a lot less interested in them. And I mean, granted, there were parts in the book where each of the characters were interesting, but for most of it, like by the time they were interesting, I was like, mm, yeah, who were you again? Uh, it's kind of too late for me now to start getting invested in you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, overall, I think our thoughts are all the same, right? Like if you like the first book and you want to read the third book, read this book because you'll be super lost without it. Yeah, this is set up for the antagonists and the, the evil guys in this one, too. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm kind of seeing how they work as well, which is which is very interesting right it's we get more knowledge on them than we did with yiv in the last book mm-hmm. and we get set up with some new military contacts which is really fun mm-hmm. which is nice because so you get like you get like a i don't know like a not a foil but like potential foil i guess like, you know like military wise like you're not sure where it's gonna land you know but it's it's interesting to see what happens yeah this is definitely like the grayest of the trilogy so far well, i mean it's only two books but it's definitely the most gray of of the, of the two, two so, far, so far yeah yeah with that being said from this point onwards we're going to issue the spoiler alert as you can probably hear from the klaxons we're going to be going straight into all the details all the plot we're going to give a you know from here on out we're going to talk as if you have read everything so if you don't want to be spoiled stop here go read the book come back and listen to our discussion and uh yeah spoiler warning spoiler warning if i say spoilers enough times no one will get angry at us and yeah from there let's head in to the spoiler review so the plot for this book like i said it's a lot and we're gonna just skim through it really quickly but basically there are two big different events that are happening in this book the first is we've got Admiral Aralani and Thrawn and Captain Lux. This is yeah, Lakinda. Like I said, this is the problem where a lot of characters, there's so many characters that start with an LA in this book and a YO, which we'll get to a little bit later, but it's, yeah, it's the three of them who are basically going after the remnants of the Nikar Dune. And that slowly turns into them finding this interesting race 
interesting if annoying race on the what was the alien name Sunrise. called the uh wingali wingali's people um because it's on that planet that they find her right oh yeah i can't remember it's one of the oh, uh, it's the one from the sorry. last one it, yeah it starts with like a p or something the patatas um, is it the patata yeah because there's the, the patatas. patatas and then there's the hive mind the, people. The vax combine. The vax. no that wasn't the vax it was uh someone else that because it's the Vax Combine, but there's a legitimate hive mind that they work with at, at one point. It's oh, yeah, the, yeah. When he gets sent after the pirates. Vagari? Yeah. Is it the Vagari? Yeah, the Vagari hive mind. I think that sounds right. Mm. Um, but yeah, anyways, sorry, we're getting off track. But yeah, so it's it's Arlani, Thrawn, and Lakini, Lakina. Yeah, Lakinda. God damn it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, them going after the Nikar Dune, that then turns into them going to the Patatis homeworld because Thrawn needs to return the ring that he got from Ngali. And then, yeah, we get roped into this new species where we don't even get to know their names. And it's like we'll Yoda. talk about them. Yeah, we'll talk about them later because they're, they're a, a race. But basically, it turns out that they lost their homeworld and their leader is just dead set on killing her entire race because they think that the race is all dead. And so it becomes this this kind of puzzle where Thrawn is trying to find their homeworld and then convince her that they're not all dead. And at the same time, we're on a Chiss outlier, like a frontier world basically called Selwis. Mm-hmm. And on that world, we get the main character in that one is not actually a Chiss. It's this guy called Hapleaf of the Agadui. Agbui. And Agbui. Oh my God. Yeah, we got like you. I said, we sorry. Got you. But uh, of the Agbui. And his whole thing of trying to, what seems like, you know, trying to just grow spices and they're this traveling the troop of, of yeah, nomadic cultural wanderers. But it actually turns out that he's working for Jixtus and his his real goal is that he is trying to learn as much as he can about the Chiss Ascendancy because Jixtus wants to prepare and know as much about the Chiss as he can before he steps in to destroy them. Mm-hmm. Doing something similar to Yiv, but clearly going through much many more steps that are you know, more nuanced and layered. And so we get him, and Hapleaf's main goal is basically trying to get these chists that he's kind of convinced to get on his side. And the main one is just this guy called Yoponik, who you mean, he's basically... You mean me and Yomi? <laughs> yeah, well, the second one's not as important. But yeah, then... Hey, I, I'm not super <laughs> important. What are you talking about? Uh, God, I'm already getting angry. <laughs> but yeah, just... Uh, so yeah, he's basically uh, got these two on his side. and we, that All the flashbacks yeah. are him trying to convince the two of them. Oh, yeah. to God. So I think plans. we should say just beforehand, this is yeah. broken up into the regular chapters and then chapters that are memories. called memories. Yeah, memories. And the yeah. memories like the give you... Book. Yeah, the memories give you these flashbacks of the times where... All the setup is happening with it's uh, happening one now, one yeah. hand Jixtus mm-hmm. and Hapleaf and those guys, and then the regular chapters are what takes place with Thrawn and mm-hmm. Hapleaf. It's it's very confusing, but you, yeah. by you the have second to pay one, attention you kind of to which one it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But uh, yeah, the entirety of the, of Hapleaf's plan is basically to convince the counselor of Selwis, who is Lakuviv that the Agbui are sitting on a stockpile of an incredibly rare reter- rare material. It's Nyar, I think. Nyx. Nyx, okay. We got you. Um, yeah, just, God. <laughs> it, it, you can tell how, how invested. I mean, like, no, how it's fast were you listening to it this time? Uh, 1.5 speed the That's entire why. time. Yeah, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm always looking at 1.2, so I can still pick yeah. things up. Hey, man, I was at regular speeds. <laughs> oh, man. I tried going Jesus back to regular Christ. speed for a little bit. I'm like, no, this is way it's too so slow. slow. Yeah, I had to go to 1.2 now. I'm just like, I my, just name, my brain is... I just wanted to destruction. Yeah. 
Continue, Noma. But yeah, Len, this is this all ties into what we were talking about before. We were saying is very slow because for I want to say like three quarters of the book, they Mm. do not explain what Hapleaf's plan is, and they they literally explain the entire thing in like ten minutes, and then that sets up the end of the book. Yeah. So yeah, the entire plan that Hapleaf basically has and has put together is that, as we find out, the Oh god, what's her name? See, this is what my problem. The Yomi. matriarch, the matron, oh. no, the, the patriarch? Pa- no, uh, the the alien leader, the one I fucking hate. The matriarch, matriel. Oh, the magus. It's magus. magus yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, sorry. So, yeah, the entire plan that Hapleaf has has is that the magus's species, her planet is sitting on this giant stockpile of Nyx. And what Hapleaf has been doing is basically he engineered a civil war on that planet which is why the mage just fled and thinks that the whole planet is dead, specifically just to mine that material and some of the other materials that they're using to make a bunch of jewelry that they then pass out to people to make it seem like the egg buoy are sitting on this huge stockpile of precious materials. Used for, like, starship, like, hulls to make it so that they're durable in battle. Yeah, absolutely critical for all the species within the chaos to use. And because he's pretending to be these cultural nomads, they, you know, they think, oh, yeah, we just make it for jewelry and we have no use of this. And he basically then manipulates a bunch of the minor Chiss noble families to think that there is a world nearby that is stock full of this stuff. When in Mm. reality, the planets, yeah, the moon is just a, a worthless, toxic wasteland. But... He's able to to manipulate enough enough of the minor families that they all try and send fleets at the same time to secure the planet so that they can get ahead in the political race. Mm-hmm. And that basically almost sparks a civil war because they all arrive at the planet at the same time and they all are trying to take it. And so, you know, tensions ratchet up incredibly high. And, you know, he almost he literally almost succeeds. It's only by dint of the fact that uh, one of the trinkets that he passed out to a farmer who I can't remember the name of. Lackfro, you know, Lack- come on now. Yeah, Lackfro. Yeah, it's just, it, like I said, it's all LA, and I just, I have to go, oh my God, I don't... Who likes it's, LA? What, like, it's ridiculous. Los Angeles? It's all LA names, Los- right? We've got, we've got Lackjeep, we've got Lakuviv, we've got Lackfro, we've got... All, the, uh, all these guys are from the Zodlak family. Yeah, so and it's, yeah, and it's like, and it's like, Jesus... Do you understand that there are more letters in the or in the basic common alphabet than LA? Yeah. LA, whatever. But anyways... It all comes around to that, and at the same time, Thrawn is basically, you know, try, originally trying to save the Magus, but because Lakfro was sent this jewelry, it then kind of sparks this own internal war because he doesn't trust ha- Hapleaf, and he ends up sending it to a cousin that he knows, and that cousin ends up sending the jewelry to Thrawn, who then realizes that the jewelry, well, him and Thalius, Thalius is actually the key to it, but realize mm-hmm. that it's not actually Hapleaf and the Agbui who are making the jewelry. It's the Magus and her people who are making the jewelry. So from there, he then starts putting together, okay, this can't, because he understands the story behind how the jewelry came to him. So he goes, okay, someone's manipulating the strings and, and, you know, trying to screw with us. And at the same time, there's a parallel event where he almost gets put into an ambush, except he realizes that it is an ambush. Before it happens. Yeah, before it happens. And is able to use the technology that was, that, his ambushers were trying to use, which is a frigate that is remote controlling a bunch of gunboats. Like a drone, basically. Yeah, basically. And so he then turns that to his own advantage using the frigate, or using the Springhawk to to tugboat it, and then brings that into the system and has it look like the gunboats are chasing him, then makes those gunboats engage 
all three of the lesser family noble families fleets and in that ensuing chaos basically pulls off a bunch of insane stuff which culminates in him having the frigate run into the gunboats with Cherry's help so that they all crash onto the mine so that the rest of the families won't you know finish the battle and then immediately try and go and secure the mine and set off a whole another mess of political so insanity good. which he's only able to do because lakinda basically ends up politically sacrificing herself to warn Thrawn about this political danger that he would have never and very yeah. correctly yeah never have have understood was about to happen mm. so yeah the last hour of or the last like two hours of this book are really good dense. high it's intensity very dense. yeah yeah it's really good really high stakes really high intensity just kind of seeing how Thrawn's gonna outmaneuver all the just political bullshit that's happening in the background but yeah outside of that the other four, 13 14 hours <laughs> there's some other battle are... there's some other like small battles that happen in the like mid like beginning and mid part where like they go to it's the stuff that captain Ar or admiral arlani is dealing with yeah yeah, yeah there, that was pretty good there's one conflict with arlani and uh, lakinda that's interesting well it's okay and so there's, one, there, there's a battle with all mm. three of them in the beginning that's interesting yeah and then there's a battle with Arlani and Lakinda later on that's also interesting. Yeah, those are fun. And the most interesting battle for me until the end part was when Thrawn basically, uh, Thurfian and I can't even remember his name, Zer, Zer, what's the other counselor's name? Zerfian? Zestalmo. yeah. Zestalmo. Thurfian and Zestalmo send out Thrawn. They try and just give him like a nothing assignment where, he's, where they're like, oh yeah, the um, Vergali hive mind and the... I can't, God, I can't remember their names either. Pirates to start with a B. Yeah, don't worry about it. Um, yeah, they're like, oh yeah, the two of them might be allying with each other. We should send Thrawn out to just waste his time. Yeah, this and, is funny. Their plan is yeah, Thrawn, Thrawn ends up going out there, and it turns out that the Vagali hive mind is actually being strong armed by the Nikardun remnants, and he puts together a really cool plan with the the Vergali prince and basically is able to make it look like they're fighting with each other as he just plows through all of their ships to launch a bunch of fighters at the prince but because the nikarduna are right behind the prince's ship to kind of strong arm him and be like hey if you don't follow us we're gonna annihilate you with our missile tubes he's yeah. able to yeah so the patatas are the hive born Oh, it's the Patata sideboard? Yeah, mm. and that's this is the Prince Militaire who was just like, yeah. oh, yeah. They yeah, were, like, talking over so, the comms, and they were, like... Then, so yeah. so are the Vergali Wingali's people, then? That's... No, confusing. the Vergali are the ones who are trying... They're the closest to the uh, Patatas right now. Who was the um, ones that the he one was dealing with Vergali? Those guys are... Yeah, yeah Wingali's species, then, is the, the one that I can't remember. Because it's also uh, it's, should be the ones on Rapak, I believe. The okay. Pakians. Oh the yeah. Okay. The Pakosh. 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 Yeah. Sorry. That's who it is. Yeah. yeah the Pakosh. That's when Gali's people. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. And it was nice seeing them again. But yeah. So the Patatas hive mind now. Yeah. They basically Thrawn sets up this this really cool strike with breacher missiles and plasma spheres, which we do learn a lot more about in this book as well. Plasma spheres are their ion rounds. But he sets up this missile ion strike that basically allows the prince to, at the last minute, spin out of the way. His ship just kind of barrel rolls past the attack. And 
because it's being screened by the prince's own fighters, the Nikardun's cruiser isn't able to see the attack coming in time. So it takes the brunt of the attack. Mm -hmm. And what I love in that scene is as soon as the plasma spheres knock it offline, all of the Posada ships just immediately as a one hive mind just turn on them at once. Yeah, and just annihilate the cruiser. Oh, it's so good. And yeah, so it ends up being, and I I just, you love to see it, but Thurfinn and Zastalmo's attempt to make Thrawn just go away and accidentally screw himself over ends up heaping so much more praise on the Thrawn because then the Patata's like, oh my God, Thrawn, you used to be an enemy, but we are so happy that you're here and we're like best buds with you now. And, you know, please, please use our, our, our comms buoy that we don't let anybody else in this section of the chaos use to just tell your people how amazing you are and therapy's just over screaming in the corner and it's yeah that that part was great and Um, then it goes back into politics (laughs) yeah so you know after that battle ends unfortunately it goes just straight back to politics and then yeah we don't really get to see any other cool battle maneuvers and tactics playing out until we get to the final battle where it you know it's basically thrawn trying to screw with the ascendancy which Man, they really kind of show how far the Chiss are willing to go to keep all the political bullshit from destroying themselves. The cover-ups are huge at the end. Yeah, because after, yeah, exactly. After the battle, it's it's like what you was, uh, imagine seeing when you hear like, oh, like a U.S. black site or something like that. Yeah. Oh, where yeah. They, they literally just cover up everything that happened. Because all they, the honor you know, that they would have lost from that. Yeah. Huge. They were played like fools and they made them look like idiots and they exactly. can't have that public because as soon as they do, nobody's going to take them at word value anymore. If they say anything, they're just going to get shut down. Yeah. They might get dropped. They're in the 40. They might get dropped from that. Oh, 100% that they would. Mm-hmm. So all their, so, all their nine ruling family allies gone. Like it's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. You almost you almost ripped apart the 40 families or at least started a civil war between three of them over mm-hmm. a, light, a, you know, a worthless ball of dirt Yeah, because – one counselor, <laughs> yeah, try to each of the families may have three, yeah, yeah possibly. Yeah. That's true. yeah, but at the very least, the whole thing starts because you know, one counselor tries to overthrow the, his patriarch, it does, and then, yeah, well, and yeah, and does for a little Seeds, bit, yeah, to put this plan together. And then at some point, yeah, happily, if just leaked it to the other, you know, a couple think, other families, I think it was actually like two other groups of like because it never really talks about it, but I just assumed that instead of Hapleaf. It was actually two other sets of Akbui doing the same thing at the same time. Oh, like, I can see Jix yeah, is yeah. pulling that kind of stuff where he gets for sure. Oh, happily of the Akbui, you come to me and then I'll tell you this thing. And then this one of the Akbui, oh, I'll tell you hap this left. part, but you don't hap right. exactly. Yeah. Oh, God, hap, hap branch at this point. Yeah, but it's just like you don't know what hap this front. one's doing. You don't know what this one's doing. You don't know what this one's doing. But I'm giving you all the same end date. Yeah, give so me, yeah, you all yeah. have to get people there by this day at this time, and and that, yeah, and that does make a lot more sense because there is the point where Jix just tells happily like, no, you have to get to the next stage of the plan in three weeks. Yeah, Otherwise... and you have to be there twenty days earlier to get the the Pathfinder from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, like we said, overall, the parts that were <laughs> the reason we we are going over a lot less in this part of the plot is because there's so much politics yeah and it's not really super important if you know the main idea yeah yeah um the one thing i wanted to go over was the uh not the chiss society but more of like actually yeah the chiss society we get a little bit more of in depth of who is what and where is where with like the Mm. ranks and everything so i wanted to go over that again because in the first episode of thrawn ascendancy we went over it quickly but it is even more important in this one because of all the politics 
And we have nine ruling families, the Ursa, the Arizi, the Dasklo, the Klar, the Chaff, the Plick, the Bodil, the Myth, and the Obic. Those are the nine ruling families that are like the head of the Ascendancy, essentially, right? That make that, that are the most important. And underneath that is something called the 40 lesser families. So there's 40 families that are underneath that. And Zodlak is one of them, and the Kodio is another. Zodlak was one of the ruling families at one point. It was the 10th ruling family one of it at the time. Mm. And then they somehow were kicked out of the nine ruling families, and they don't really go into why. Yeah, that is something. There, there is a lot of interesting world building that we get about the Chiss in this yeah. book. Like, for example, uh, Hapleaf discovers at one point that it's not set at nine ruling families. It's been fluid. At one point, there was like three or There's like 20, ten, like you said. At one point, yeah, twenty at, at certain points to three to or and then I think at the beginning it's just one. Yeah, like when they first started. Yoponek was our guy for that. He told us a few. Yeah, Yoponek's yeah. history, like his uh, major in history in university or whatever. Um, and then we have the Chiss family ranks, which are kind of important, but not so much in this one. We have the Chiss family ranks are blood, which is the top. Like you are part of the family and that's like, mm. you are, you are golden cousin, ranking distant, trial born and merit adoptive. And we went over those a little bit as well in the last episode. Merit adoptive is the lowest rank in a family and you can be kicked out if you are merit adoptive. If something goes wrong or you do something yeah. stupid, which, if you're trial born or above, up. you're good. Yeah, which only comes up at the end of the book because we learn at the end of the book that Lakinda was a uh, merit adoptive. Right, yeah. and then she gets and... offered to become a trial born from the, the Arizi, which yeah. I was like, yes, I'm so happy. Oh for yeah, her. and she probably will because yeah, that, that's the other thing is you know we mentioned it before, but she basically commits political suicide, warning Thon or Thon Thron Thong. Um, yeah, as my mind slowly disintegrates. Captain but... Thong. <laughs> but yeah, she she basically commits political suicide, uh, trying to warn Thrawn yeah. about the last stage of the plan that he wouldn't have seen because he's politically blind. Exactly. And uh, be, yeah, so basically, her family throws her under the bus, and the at the end of the book, the Arizi step in to be like, "Hey, want to join us?" And uh, it seems like that's what's going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. There's there's also some interesting, like we get a, a couple of interesting conflicts in the book because Thrawn's. Uh, plan in the last battle actually ends up hinging on the fact that they know which of the minor families are coming after the worthless ball of dirt that yeah. they think is full of Nyaks. And his plan's really good, actually, which is uh, he divides the gunboats gunboats up and then gives command of the gunboats to members of his crew that are part of each of the families that are going to launch this this yeah. civil war. And he does that because he knows that something we learn in this book is that if you are part of a family, before you go into the expansionary defense fleet, you are taught how to fly all of the family ships. Yeah. All of their specifics so that if you ever need to crew them, you know how to. So he knows from that, he goes, okay, we need to, you know, hurt the ships, but we don't want to kill people. So... If I take you from the family and I put you in charge of, you know, the gunboat that's attacking your family ship, you can make it look like a real attack while not accidentally, you know, hitting weak points or vulnerabilities mm. that would actually destroy the ship. But you can still make it look convincing because you know how to, how, you know, where the weak points are on your own vessels, which was really cool. That was the kind of like Thrawn amazing mindset that, you know, I, uh, I, I like to see. So being able yeah. to see it in action was really cool. The one thing I do want to say is I just want to go over like the political hierarchy because that was the last part of this. Yeah, so the political hierarchy that we have, which is the last part of the Chiss Ascendancy family stuff, is we have the head of the family, which is the patriarch. We have the speaker underneath that, which is the head of the family's delegation to the sinecure, which is like the, the ruling council, I guess. 
Um, and then the Syndic Prime is the head Syndic of that family. The Patriarch, which handles family affairs on a planetary scale, which we get introduced to the the Zodlak one, I believe, is it? Yeah. Yeah, the Zodlak one, this one. And then the Counselor, which we get into, which is uh, the Lack... Lakuviv. Lakuviv, that's his name. And then after that is the Aristocra, which is underneath that. It's a mid-level fa- uh, member of one of the nine ruling families. So it's not really important. But the counselor, sorry, is the person that handles family affairs at a local level. And we see that mm-hmm. a lot in this book with Lak- Lak- uh, Lakuviv. Idiot. So. Yeah. And yeah, no, we, we do get a lot. Like Selwyn is all just dealing with that kind of politics. And then we get a lot of, of that with Thurfian and Zastalmo again. And it's just a lot. And then we get, you know, we get introduced to people who are trying to, you know, climb into that web of political insanity with Yopo Nick. So it's, it's interesting to see where basically this book goes over a lot of the lower, lowest level. Yeah. Yeah. Politicking going on, but also shows how, how much it starts to affect the families, especially once we get even into from the, the lowest going up, right? Yeah. Going all the way up to, to just seeing how how poisoned it is, right? Because a civil war almost starts because of this stupidity, and especially the only because it's over nothing. Right? Is Thrawn. And like, yeah, exactly. That's pretty crazy. Which was interesting to me because it's I maybe it's just because it's the Chiss and they all play this game at the same time. But man, empire politics are always interesting for me. Mm. Yeah, but Chiss politics are infuriating to me mm. because the gains from empire politics—you're not trying to destroy the empire. You're military itself. ranks. That's it. You, you're really trying to just one up one dude. Yeah, mm. and not for the sake of anything or empire. Nothing. It's because you want it and you're saying it. At mm. least have that clear thing. But with for example, like Zistalmu and Thurfian. Mm-hmm. Zistalmu, I can understand. He's not a myth. He's mm. an Arizi, and the Arizi hate the myth anyway. But they're working together anyway, because they hate Thrawn. Yeah. Like, well, oh these God. two are working together because of special circumstances. But anytime else, you would see it and be like, no, I have nothing to do with you. Thurfian, on the other hand, pisses me off royally more than anybody. Mm. This dude, I, and to a certain extent, I can understand why he might be apprehensive. But the hatefulness, I don't understand where it comes from. Because you have a guy who, despite being so outside of the box, is bringing your family nothing but pure glory. If Thrawn was a Zodlak, these guys would be holding him to the highest degree. Mm. Highest degree. But with this, Thurfin's like, oh, he's going to bring down the family. So why aren't you doing everything you can to support him? Why aren't you the political guy in his corner to make sure all this stuff that he's doing is justified and gets explained and everything and cover the guy who's gaining you guys so much Mm. in this. But instead, you want to turn and backstab and backstab, which is doing nothing, and you're still giving him all this glory. But now you can't even sit there and enjoy it because your head is so hotted up. I'm like, oh, well, I was supposed to mess that up. What am I going to do now? I had to come up with a new scheme. It's like, no, why can't you just help him and be glad he's part of your family and not somebody else's? Because mm. I bet you'd be easy if he was part of them. They would have been like, hey, hey good it's, job. Yeah, it's one of those things, and I'm not going to name, I'm going to try not to name the real-life political side, but I think we all know which side I'm talking about. Yeah, it, it just reminds me of one of those people who is just absolutely like obsessed with the fact that their viewpoint is right even Mm. when all of the logic and evidence points to the opposite because yeah thurfian is obsessed he is he has somehow gotten into his head that thrawn is going to destroy the the entire just ascendancy somehow Mm. right who is and he is you know is um to give him some credit here the patriarch said the same thing it could happen fears he does have realistic fears, yeah. but they are so 
not abstract, but they are so far off that if anybody was to actually help Thrawn with this kind yeah. of stuff, oh, yeah. he might even tail down a little right. bit. But but that's that. that's why it makes it that's that's the point where it, it seems to me of yeah, it, it seems to me like he's just obsessed with his own yeah. viewpoint being right, yeah. right? Because he says, you know, oh he's gonna destroy these he's gonna destroy the myth, he's gonna destroy the ascendancy, he's gonna drag it all down. And then he is constantly through two books, he is constantly proven wrong. Yeah. Right? Over yeah. and over like, and yes, over again. He's destroyed shit. Yeah, like through his own actions. Yeah, like you know, he's con- Thrawn's constantly walking the line, but all he ever does is strengthen the ascendancy. Yeah, but that's why I kind of put it to that real life political mindset because he is constantly proving you wrong, and there is constant evidence that he is not going to destroy the ascendancy. He is not, but it's it's never maybe I'm wrong. It's damn it, how did he you know how did he see my plans coming and thwart them again? Right? It's yeah. like it's yeah, it just gets ridiculous and i mean that's another part of the book i really don't like where it's like i get that we're setting up for you know higher stakes in the next book and for things to get more intense and blah blah blah. but when thurfian becomes patriarch at the end of this book i was like are you fucking kidding me Mm, yeah the reason that they give yeah the reason they gave for it as well i didn't buy it's wooly but at the same time you gotta understand because thurfian's like this master is evil villain who's just like on the outside he's doing all the proper things the family wants to see in mm. all the other things, but it's lip service. And you can tell because he gives it that. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. oh, there's this random family dispute about something happening with like, oh, that's our world. And this order's like, no, it belongs to all of us. And you guys are part of this and you mm. part of the 40. And it's like, you guys are just there. You're over, you're not overseers. You're just there as part of something or whatever. And it's just like, anybody could have done that. I don't understand why you're so special. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. you're in the position to actually be able to say that and deal with it that way. So and not all of them are like, oh, Thurfian, do so well. Oh, you're doing so well. I'd say as good as Thras. And we met Thras back in... Uh... Have we met <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. Okay, then I'm getting ahead of myself. I won't say that. But... <laughs> Thras is a character that things happen to. Mm. Um... And I don't know if he's gonna Good be save. if he's <laughs> he's gonna be a name that's either reused for a younger one, yeah, or he oh, might have okay. been the patriarch before. Mm. Um, so from there, it was just like, yeah, no, this is this is really strange because I anybody could be doing this stuff. You're just in a position to do so. So now everybody's heaping praise on you. So to me, it's like the opposite where he's acting that way to throw. I'm acting that way to you. And be like you're destroying everything anyway because. You're doing this without much meaning and you're doing it all for your own little purposes and then mm. justifying it by saying it's for the family. But really, you just want to get to the top so you can do whatever the hell you want. Family be damned at that point because you're trying to destroy your own family mm. by the biggest success you've had in years and you want to take them down. Yeah. For what? Because you don't like him? Because you yeah, fit your ideal officer or whatever? Come on now. Yeah. And, the and patriarch the lo- was like, this guy's great. Yeah, and the logic, yeah, exactly. And the logic that annoyed me was he's talking to the speaker, I think, right at the end of the book. And and the speaker's like, oh, yeah, we like you were chosen to be patriarch. And he's like, but what about all of the patriarchs? And like, oh, yeah, they just they all just decided that they didn't have enough. They they wouldn't be able to do it because they care about their planets more. And he's like, well, what about you? And she's like, I just. I just don't have enough context. And I'm like, that's... that's it's weird. bullshit. But we know from there's earlier... nobody else in the myth that wants that position that's going to cl- you know, climb yeah. over Thurfian to get to it. That's yeah. the, the problem I have. You have to set up like... Thrawn being exiled, though, and that's yeah. what really this comes in, I think. 
Because the only reason yeah. we know the speaker was really old and she already wanted to retire her position. Was the speaker uh, a male or a female? For female. The I female. pictured it as a guy. I don't know why. Uh, she she was old and she really just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, and she, I, was she basically told Thurfian that. And he was just like, oh, so I might get the speaker job. But it was like, yeah. how, how, how did he die? Or how did she die? That's she what didn't. I don't get. No, the, no, no, the, no, the, the patriarch, patriarch died. died of old age. Is that what it was? Yeah, it wasn't yeah, like he, they didn't weren't sh like he just died. Yeah, yeah he died of old age. Family was yeah. around him. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Was, oh, it was, it was a guy. The patriarch was a guy. Yeah, yeah. We're talking okay. about the speaker. We're talking about the oh, speaker. Oh, my bad. Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, you even just... said speaker. That's what I was confused by. Yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's but, yeah, yeah. The politics in this are they're <laughs> shitty politics, man. Like if you're talking at the at the the myth level, which was the barest of politics at that point, because we get the bullshit really coming yeah, through with the Zoldlack. Mm. And they're every every family has this one of the it's either pride or honor or some kind of bullshit that drives them to do stupid things. Yep. And Zoldlack, because they're part of the 40 and they used to be part of the ruling family, they constantly have this thing where they have to battle back. And they have to win back their honor to get back into that ruling mm. status. Consequences be damned. And there was one mission where I actually, I really enjoyed this one because I enjoy Admiral Aralani's tactics because mm -hmm. they're a mixture of her own and Thrawn's. Yeah. And she's she's talking to the enemy, which I guess is, they were Nicardoon at the time. And mm. they were trying to, they were battling back and forth, but... Arlani was putting on a show at that point in order to get Lakinda to be able to be like, hey, listen, you have to take this weapon platform thing and you have to find a way to destroy it or disassemble it. So by the time it comes around from this huge planet where they can see it again and think they can use it, we'll turn oh, it around. Oh, that's right. That's right. right. The, the asteroid platform. The thing. asteroid platform. And yeah. so Arlani's busting sick. her ass and she's got all this stuff going on. And then Lakinda comes in. Oh no, it's trouble! Like Zoldlack, rush! And then Arlani's like, "What the fuck is she doing?" That's <laughs> why she's like that foil. Like she's she's yeah. got the right idea and she's got the right zeal, but she doesn't execute it in the way that is it's, the it proper all, way. She doesn't, it's the patience part. Of yeah. It. yeah, and it's constantly the Her the. Pride. Well, it's the desperation for family glory, right? Because yeah. she does the same thing with to Thrawn accidentally. Because yeah. I, I, com I completely forgot about that battle too. They're fighting yeah. a bunch of gunboats, and yeah. Thrawn Thrawn has a plan for it because he knows the battle dreadnought's going to show up. Yeah. And Lakinda just jumps in to try and be like, "I'm ca I can save Thrawn and get the glory." And then the battle dreadnought shows up, and she starts freaking out. Yeah. Because you have to remember the reason that we forget is there's a frigate there, and that frigate is an Agbui frigate trying to take away trinkets and yes, all that yes, stuff from the main from planet. Sunrise. Yeah, yeah Sunrise. And so when the, when that frigate's there trying to block, fight with the gumbos and everything like that, they're trying to cover it the entire time. Mm -hmm. And Thrawn's getting to that position to be like, okay, well, what the hell is that? And we got he's like, we gotta analyze these things and figure it out. And then Lakinda shows up. Mm -hmm. I heard you need help. We're here to help. You're right before that yeah. ship. And now I have to save you. You. <laughs> and in me with me saving you i don't have time to analyze these things and then mm. the frigate's able to take off before they can figure out what it is so when it shows up on selwis mm -hmm. they don't know it's that one and they've gotten no response from mm. anybody and so when all that happens and the platform is there and everything and they have to get away that's when they tell aralani and aralani comes back 
yeah to figure out what's going on in sunrise and to judge whether or not there are people down there and yeah, lucinda yeah. comes again and she's like oh yeah the port side on this one because thrawn really fucked it up the last time we can get there now and do some more damage it's like no they they know that because you're going there so now arlani covered for her Thrawn's very well like, on that and unlike thrawn where thrawn's just like oh new thing in the factor okay peace 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 peace. okay i got it she's just like oh my god okay um um think think <laughs> yeah she now. has to spend some time thinking about what she can do she has to yeah. stop her whole thing and be like i have to rework this entire thing now my god and then she, she had to make a bluff essentially yeah, mm-hmm. and hope, and it was a big gamble. And Butro, oh, that's why I love, I love her. <laughs> that is one of the most badass first officers in the game. She's just like, mm-hmm. oh, well, guess we got something else to do now. Don't we? It's just like, you see you, you're right there. I'd follow you. You know what? Because I... you have that dark sense of humor to be like, well, if we fuck up now, at least. <laughs> so black pride, right? <laughs> I don't ship characters very often, but Samacro and Wutro. Oh god! See, yeah. I was, that would be was like say, amazing w- to see those two Wutro, working together. Wutro is what I wish the macro was more like, because the macro is almost there. It's just the little things, which I honestly, from his standpoint, I can understand why he oh, yeah, he's got problems sure. with Thrawn. But like Wutro is, yeah, Wutro is like Apex first officer, which yeah. like completely yeah. trusts Arlani, is completely behind her, and is a good foil to everything. <laughs> and we. This- Sorry, go ahead. Finish your thing. Oh yeah, so I was, gonna, and we get an interesting dynamic between them in this book that we kind of got in the last book, but they lay it out a lot clearer for us now. Yeah, because is Wutro's just constantly trying to get information out of Aralani. Yeah, he's like, I want to learn. Aralani keeps yeah. being like, "Stop! I'm you're supposed to be here, so that if I say something that sounds like bullshit, you warn me. Yeah, you catch me on it. Yeah. So if I tell you all this stuff, I'm telling it to you from my perspective, and it's gonna be tainted. Yeah. That's that's why I can't tell you it's not because I don't trust you. Like, oh, I understand, yeah. but I still want to know. Yeah, <laughs> like, I like some yeah, macro in this. Like they hey, both ahead. have that. They both have that. Wutro um, understands is like okay when Arlani starts using commander voice, mm. friendship. Okay, pause. Yeah. <laughs> right, and we get into <laughs> battle mode and this mode. mode, and then as soon as that's done, well, that was fun, wasn't it? Ah, yeah. yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, like Wutro and Samacro are like yeah, they're like. This coin, Two right? Peas in a pod. But the same thing with Aralani and Thrawn, because Aralani has those Thrawn moments where she goes and she has her tactics and she won't explain it, but she's developed enough with her crew and everything like yeah. that where she stops and she does explain and she does listen and she does follow procedure enough. Yeah. Where Thrawn doesn't do enough of that, which is why I think Samacro is more Samacro than Vutro, because he's constantly just like, when are you gonna fucking just do the wrong thing here, and then I have to somehow cover yeah. for it. And we all we all suffer because of it. I know we're gonna get through. It's just why it, I I'm almost disappointed in Samacro. Almost because at the end he's talking to Bakif and he's just like, say, "That was so yeah. good part. I loved it." And like, Bakif was like, "Do you hate him?" And he's like, "Yes." Uh, permission to speak he, freely. Exactly, because he still asks for. He's like, I hate him, but not for the reasons everybody thinks. I don't yeah. hate him because he's no. Nah, he doesn't follow the things like in the past. Doesn't tell us what to, we're doing. This is what a, yeah. a commander is supposed to do. But he does get us through everything. I yeah. am his first officer, so I am gonna listen. I love I'm not him so much. Him. And it's just like, see that you're doing. And he and Bakif's like, you're the perfect first officer. It's like you yeah. should be doing that. That's stuff. exactly right. Right, but at the same time, you know, if Thrawn was to open up a bit, which he can't, or yeah, because he's Thrawn, whatever, he's Thrawn. <laughs> but I feel like Bakif, uh, not Bakif, um, Simacra would lighten up some sort where he'd turn it because he has those Wutro moments, yeah, where mm. he's laughing, he's just like, huh, 
what do you think, sir? But then Thrawn goes, it's like, oh, so what do you think about this? It's like, you're not even going to, like, tell me a breakdown. You're just going to say, oh, you saw something you think I saw. Yeah, yeah. Really? But that's that's the difference with Thrawn and Arlani, I think, is that Thrawn, we see this in, like, the original Thrawn, not the original, but, like, the first Thrawn trilogy in the in canon right now, where, like, he's he, he tries to train up the people around him to make them think on a higher level and think farther ahead and reasons why he's doing certain things to it's instead of giving the answer to somebody he's making them work through it he's making but them he become never, better he never tells them yes. that and he always picks the most critical times yes. to do it yeah he's yeah. already freaking out and it's just like but he's got under control that's why he can do it right that's why that's he can exactly do it. Yeah, but, but he never tells them it's under that. control that's yeah. exactly they're all right freaking out at the time for honestly they should be freaking yeah. out because it's a serious situation right soldiers it's, are not it's just like oh god yeah. like there's the these things are coming right at us oh what do you see missiles coming at us do something yeah it's it's the equivalent so don't worry what it's the equivalent of being trapped in a basement with someone while the house is on fire and they're asking you how the how you think the house caught fire while you're freaking out yeah but the guy who's asking you why the house caught fire called the fire department half an hour ago yeah yeah and that's why he's not freaking out but he hasn't told you that yet yeah that's exactly (laughs) and so you're just like why are we talking about this the house is on fire meanwhile arlani will tell you you think it started yeah arlani will tell you hey fire department's on its way i did call them half an hour ago i don't know how much longer it's gonna take but they're on their way so how do you think we'll get out of this one (laughs) yeah well shit um We could try to find some water. Like at that point, you can start thinking about it. Because yeah. if I don't, if this doesn't work, well, fire department's on their way, so at least something will happen. Well, our, yeah, our exactly. line doesn't do that with her crew, though. Like she doesn't train them the way that Thrawn does. She just does her stuff, and they learn from that experience, right? Mm-hmm. But from Thrawn's perspective, She's... he tries to like, it, like he directly talks to them and quizzes them. Whether it's Cheery, whether it's um, Thalius, whether it's Samacra, whoever it is, it's always yeah. well, he, and, and like he's so to... he's so detached and aloof that yes. it always comes across as it's like either condescending but or think... he's, he expects you to know. And the fact that you feel like shit because you don't know, yeah. And yeah. then from there, where you you kind of get it, and he's just like, like they feel like shit. I feel like they're well, you're on the spot, and it's like why yeah. why is this judgment happening now in the middle of a battle? Right, right, right. yeah. It's you it's definitely the... pressure is on. But it's, even with yeah. Alias, when it was he was like. Oh, well, why do you think... After everything, I was like, well, why do you think it was... And she's just like... What was it? Oh, okay, mm. I guess maybe. Because then he's just like, almost. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, With these guys, it's a lot of... Even with Samacra, it's like, uh, you, you kind of got it. But now it's like, well, fucking tell me then. Yeah. It's like, that's what you get from that part. Instead yeah. of just being just like, just just say it. Just say it. The, the one... Yeah, go ahead, Noma. Sorry. Oh, sorry, Q1. I was going to say, the one thing I'm really excited for is in Thrawn... Uh, you know, we see Thrawn in live action with Ezra or whatever, if that's going to happen. I can't wait for that to happen to Ezra because you can just 100% tell Ezra's going to be so frustrated with that. And he's going to be like, dude, we're going to get killed. What the hell's going on? Let's just I go would, in, you know? I would be curious. Yeah, I'd be curious if that would even be a relationship or if, you know, once they go into hyperspace, they just immediately ran for skate pods and yeah. left. But yeah, we, we get a little bit of, of that kind of understanding that comes up with Zemakro because he does admit to himself at a certain point where he's just like, Look, Thrawn walks the knife edge the entire time, but he has these hunches that just seem like insanity, but they're never wrong. Yeah. And I don't understand how he does this. It's kind of like sorcery. But at this point, this is like, that, yeah, I think by the end of the book, he's basically like, this is the main reason why I trust Thrawn. Because mm-hmm. he'll tell me something and it sounds like insanity. And then it turns out to be completely right. And, uh, you know, he puts together a plan that works out perfectly. Not to mention right? Samacro's loyalty to Thrawn at the moment when they're doing that final gambit at the end where he's on oh, yeah. the freighter. 
or the, yeah. the frigate with like other officers and then like he's willing to the go 14. down with the ship and then the other officers are willing to go down too but they all get off in time well i think oh. that's the loyalty point too because yeah. yeah the i can't remember his name mark thompson makes him sound like Chekhov from star yes, trek yes but that one officer the, yeah the, the lieutenant the commander the lieutenant commander or the lieutenant captain or something yeah but yeah he like that's the whole point because that that guy is like i'll hey i'll i'll go down with the ship i'll do it and the is like yeah that sounds like exactly what we need to do in this situation because it's for the chiss and i think the 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 loyalty moment is when thrawn goes as no. morty that's morty maybe was it as morty or no. Priya? no it wasn't either no, of them. no it's it's no it's the guy who's talking with alias the entire time every time they're in the secondary command room yeah uh, that's the, okay yeah, I can, and they also talk about, and I can't remember the position, but they talk about how the position that he's in is a position where they'll, it's either like a cushy position for a family member or just a, a place where they'll stick a family member yeah. because they don't think they're useful for the, the entirety of their career. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to see if I can find... No, I can't find it. But, um, yeah, you remember what family he's from? He's he's from the Zoldlands, Zoldlack, Zoldlack, yeah, because that's the whole thing. Because he's the one who tells Zemakro like, I'm oh, not comfortable firing on our own ships. Yeah, so he was Marty, a chess right? male who served as lieutenant commander and helm officer. Yeah, lieutenant commander oh, as Morty. Okay, yeah. my bad. So it is as Morty. Okay, my bad. Yeah, so as Morty, right? As Morty's like, hey, I'm I, I'm willing to go down. I'm willing to take the ship down to the mine and crash it. And Zemakro's like, yeah, that that seems like what we have to do, I guess. And Thrawn's like, no. I can find a way around this. Don't worry. I'm not mm. sacrificing anybody. And I think that's the moment where Samakra's like, wow, okay. And they pull like it that... off. Yeah, well, it's it's that moment where he he's like, Thrawn is willing to go to whatever level it takes to keep the, the Springhawk safe, right? And zero and as we see, casualties. Yeah, well, just keep them safe to the best of his ability, yeah. right? Do whatever it takes. And as we see uh, from what Samakra does earlier in the book, that's the same mindset he has, right? Yeah. I, except his mindset is i'm not letting political bullshit infect this ship yeah i will you know do whatever it takes to make sure we're all safe yeah and that's why he feeds he, fe he feeds fake information to uh thalius thinking that she'll she'll tell thurfian about it and then they'll use that to try and nail thrawn and samakra will step in and be like hey she's a spy this was all bullshit i said mm -hmm. and that's something that surprised them at the end of the book and that's the reason why i keep being yeah. like yeah samakra he's trying it, to make these plays but he can't do it well yeah well it's just like he he's just a hard line still and i understand why but just under the impression that thales is a spy because right. he doesn't know everything that happened with her doesn't right? want the political shit to infect the ship and that's yeah. what's going to happen if she but is that, a spy but that's why, like, everything he has is against her. And it's just one of those moments where it's just like, if one of you guys talk to each other, you could realize that you're on the same side. Yeah. But, yeah. I am, but, you know, this is the difference between a lesser, I was going to say show, because it always happens in shows, but lesser media compared to this, that's the big difference, right? Is that, you know, I understand why the characters aren't talking to each other. Whereas yeah. in most media, it's just plot stupidity that they're not mm -hmm. talking to each other, yeah. right? So, yeah. Uh that was basically he, everything I had by that point. There's some points that I wanted to make. The first thing was the, the ring at the very beginning of the book that it, Thrawn brings back. Mm. Yeah. That's the chimera that's on that ring. Yeah, yeah. They and I the love that. That was so good. I was like, where did that come from? Because we don't really know, but it comes from that ring that he gives back to Wingali. See, um, my, my big question with that is just how is that then going to tie into a symbol that he thinks is so intrinsically tied to himself that it is put on the ISD, Book right? Three. The Wingali probably help out in right. a huge way or something. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm waiting for at this point, because, yeah, exactly. Wingali at this point, he's like a friend, obviously, but he's not that close to them. I have right? a theory. 
mm -hmm. it might come true. You said mm -hmm. is a friend and might help out, right? What if, you know, Jixtis is at the point where, like, he is tearing apart the Ascendancy, and then when Gali comes in and does something and sacrifices himself to, like, postpone the destruction of the Ascendancy, mm -hmm. and that's what gets Thrawn able to escape, and then that's, like, a symbol of See, his appreciation for Wingali and what he did. I'm, I'm thinking more of there's going to be some kind of tactic or some kind of art that Wingali has and doesn't realize how much of a help it's going to be in a crucial mm, fight. Sure, or something I can like that. see that too. Then he's going to think of it's like, oh yeah, if they align the ship, like the Chimera. Ah, and then that'll be the okay. thing to catch Jix is completely off guard. And from there, like his big first victory against the Grisk before he leaves. Yeah or gets, a, gets sent off or whatever. So, like, mm. in his mind, his fight isn't against the Rebels. He's gathering all this stuff to go against the Grisk. So when he goes up against them again in his ISD Chimera, they'll Ooh, see it and okay. be like, oh, shit. No, no. That would be Why? interesting, wouldn't it? Because really they get pulled into hyperspace yeah. with the Chimera, don't they? As we're in him? That's the Chimera he's on. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. On, they're on the Chimera. Yeah, so that's but that's possible still. And that's that's interesting because it turns out we all have separate theories because my own theory on what was going to happen in the third book is that Wingali is going to be the alien who makes Thrawn understand that the rest of the aliens aren't just resources. Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah. And that'll kind of be that connector. But uh, like, honestly, all three of our theories make sense, right? I, you just... know, all three could happen. Yeah, right. Yeah, right? Actually, yeah. And uh, you know what? Because, Timothy's yeah, on. I am down for whatever the... you got, buddy. <laughs> because you start off with dance, right? Like that crucial moment. But mm -hmm. he found that crucial moment to make them happen through the art to which after everything he realizes, is like you only showed up because what? Because of everything I did for you? Why? I just, oh, because I'm your friend. Mm -hmm. Oh. And... Well, now in honor of this battle and you and everything else, then I'll place this on the Star Destroyer when eventually I get it and I realize yeah. or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. We haven't covered it on the show, but it's it, it, that kind of leads into what happens with Thrawn and Eli Vanto at the beginning of their relationship. They become friends and they be, you know, they help each other out, mm -hmm. right? You know, they, they have to be together because of certain things. But yeah, we'll get into that when we get to that book. Yeah. And another thing that I wanted to go over was Chiri's uh, Chiri's third sight tractor beam tactic. Thrawn is a is a madman. He is so good with that. That was amazing. Well, Where like I've, her hand is on. Um, yeah, he's uh, taking the gamble oh, because man, so good. There's two things. Thalia sees it, and I don't think she tells Thrawn at the moment. But he's so observant, he probably caught it too. Yeah. The mage mm. is just talking about some stuff, and then she side eyes or she glances to a side, and she comes back. Thalius realizes after she's looking Third at Chiri's room, mm -hmm. and because she's thinking of, of course, the yeah. um, what what do they call it? The oh, beyond, uh, yeah, the great beyond, the beyond or something. Yeah. Yeah. Call it. Thrawn knows about it through Skywalker, course, Anakin yeah. with and the Force and everything. He knows Third Sight, but he also realizes Third Sight, Great Beyond, the Force—they're all the same yeah. thing. Because that's what when they were talking with the mages initially he's like oh yeah the force mm -hmm. is what they're talking about and the force is going to heal the planet and everything mm -hmm. like that that's why they want to kill themselves so bad by the way because they believe they kill themselves yeah, and yeah. the life stream will come up from the planet and heal the planet and, <laughs> is that from a game everything. that sounds like that's a game Fantasy what that's Final Fantasy 7 <laughs> oh yeah it's the life stream the life, yeah. life stream's gonna come up and stop meteor and everything's gonna be fine yeah, 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 but yeah. they have to die to do it it'll so, cast holy anyway. yeah. exactly so oh with that God. thing he's just like okay so it's all it's Thrawn comes to the point, it's like, it's all the fucking same thing. 
So yeah. if Skywalker and you can use the force through telekinesis and these guys can use the force to heal it and she has third side to navigate it. What if they can all just be the same? Hey, you use the force and make sure this thing works. Look in the future. It's basically what he's trying to say. Two seconds. Hey, Thalius has never done this, so she's like, what the hell are you talking about? No, that's not possible. It's the opposite of what you do as a Skywalker, and, right? Because Kiri pretty much says, like, yeah, it felt backwards. But yeah. to, if you uh, if you would ask Anakin to do it, they'd be like, yeah, just tell me when. Well, Chiri was like, no, I don't see a, I don't see a difference. But Thalius is like, no, it is completely opposite to what we normally do. Mm. And then she was like, no, I think it's fine. We can try it. And then she puts her hand on top of half oh, Priya, and half yeah. Priya's there. <laughs> and then she, like... You know, like squeezes his hand and then yeah. he hits the thing and the tractor beam pulls it up. Oh my god. And the freighter That's then it. starts yeah, or the uh, frigate starts to move. Yeah. It's like, oh, the, so the good. Thing I, the thing I love from this as well is like now that we're learning that Thrawn actually has a understanding of the force, mm. it just makes the line on Adalon so and much I better. I knew you were to come up oh. with that. Because well, now, now I love it because it, like before it's like obviously, you know, a man who has no understanding of the force sees this and he's like, what the Jedi devil yeah. is this? But now that we know, that Thrawn has an understanding of the Force where it's like, okay, telepathy, slight future sight, yeah. healing a planet maybe, although we don't what know that. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and he goes, what is a storm? What is this? This wasn't in the manual. Yeah. No bullshit. Who is this Mufasa <laughs> I, character? Yeah. I don't remember I don't remember screaming eyes and lightning strikes that blow up eight, eight at-ats. Remember who you are. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, uh, I, just, I can't I love wait to so get into a Rebels now. review for this show, like for us. Oh my god, it's gonna be so good knowing everything that we know now of Thrawn yeah. and everything. Oh, it's gonna be great. And the last thing I wanted to come uh, to as a note is the Skywalker secret coming to light with Jixus and Kalori at the end, near the end. Well, this is not, not fully come to light. Not fully, but, but it's it's, it's getting yeah. there. He's like, I've noticed that they are able to make long trips in short periods of time. And do you know if they use? Uh, pathfinders or other other scouters or navigators and he's like it's possible i don't know but i've never seen them when i've worked with them and then he's like hmm you need to look into this and kalori he's he's kind of on the on the fence like he's kind of forced into the situation where he's like you know what maybe maybe i'll i'll find out but i won't tell him because then i might die and i might not have a point anymore if they figure mm. what the secret is and he's like at the end um Jixtus is like no that is your mission you're not done and you will find out because if you don't, we lay the blame on you. And he's like, "Oh <laughs> fuck!" <laughs> yeah, Lori of Yuan the Wallon, you disappoint me so fucking much because <laughs> you, out of everybody, know all the shit that's going on. You're scared of Thrawn mm-hmm. when realistically he's the best one to help yes. you. Okay. Go find him and he's, be yeah. like, "Listen." You know me. Remember yeah. what happened with Yiv? I feel yeah, like that's going to come to play My bad, later. dude. Listen, there's a guy much worse than that. Here's everything I know. You already know about the veiled guy and stuff like that because he mentions yeah. it, right? He's just like, oh, yeah, okay. So you know him too? Tell me more. Well, he's this and he has these really form-fitting chairs and he's playing this music <laughs> and meditating. I was like, that's all I know. It's just like, hmm, sounds very Jedi-like. I wonder if these guys have any ties. But then mm. um, I can't get into the next part because that is something you'll learn in the other Thrawn trilogy. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, but um, but that's yeah, no, you, oh, no, yeah, you, you've got a great point, right? Because 
Thrawn is the only person he knows that isn't actively threatening his life. Yeah. And yet he's the one person he refuses to work with because he just doesn't like Chiss. And it's like... And he's a navigator at that point. And he's like, you already know Thrawn isn't like the other Chiss. They may not like to use them a lot, but at least you can somehow get in contact with them. If you Mm. contact the fucking expansionary defense fleet with like urgent message and Thrawn needs to be notified and everything like that. Yeah, sure. Jitsis may find out may or by that time you've been able to give all the things you need to stop them <laughs> oh i'm so scared i'm so scared yeah, yeah but dude now it's time to be brave yeah now it's time to stop this whole bullshit from happening because what benefit is it to you at the end of it you're still under somebody's heel you're still treated like shit you do not have your freedom to just do your job and go wherever you want and it's a very nice thing for him all he wants to do is fly hmm. be connected with the force and go through hypers that's all he wants to do the Chiss will let you do that if yeah. you're not fucking with their borders or anything like that. Just go fly. Do what you want to do. Yeah. These guys come and be like, we're going to pick Orion and fuck you. <laughs> okay, I guess I'll help you. <laughs> come on, man. Yeah. He's so, the biggest fucking disappointment. We're just like, yo, dude, you had the shit with Yiv, and then you saw how all that went. And you Drunk should be caught the first you on one. your shit. Exactly. Yeah. You should be the first one being like... All right, they need to know I'm going to help them because fuck this. I'm I not feel getting like that's what's going to happen when but no, makes but it back. again. I think by the time it happens, it's going to be too late. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hey, I've had a change of heart. Well, I wish I would have known that 20 chapters ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or he's going to have a change of heart in the middle of a battle where he's on yeah, the enemy. Exactly. Like right now. Um, where he might be able to save a few people, but instead of averting the entire thing. So yeah. something that we really didn't go in depth about was the whole, I don't know, we probably don't want to go too in depth on this, but at least we talk about it a little, mm. is the whole Cap Leaf and Lack Oh yeah, I was about to say stuff. that. I was about to, to bring that up. Yeah. Go ahead, Oma. Kubi and Yoponik and, and Yomi. Yeah, I was just going to bring up like uh, Yoponik and Yomi. Man, it's been a while since I've met characters who I immediately knew were expendable. Yeah. And as soon as, I mean, the very first time that you meet them, it's not super clear that Yopanek's expendable. He just seems kind of like an idiot. Yeah, he's, a, he's like a super bro voice. And it's like, that yeah, really doesn't lend to that character very well, does it? Well, yeah, definitely that that doesn't help either. But it's it's when he, after he meets Lakuviv, and it's yeah. like Yopanek's just super forgettable. Yeah. And then they they deal with, mo- with them mostly in the memories sections yes, of the books. Yeah. But yeah, they're just, it's just two idiots. Well, it's one it's one smart person whose intelligence is blinded by her, her voice. staggeringly uh, no, just staggeringly uh, arrogant personality. Yeah, and she's got like and the Valley Girl. Like the voices they use for these two characters, Mark Thompson uses. We got Surfer Bro and Valley Girl. Yeah. Now, okay, context at this, I I let them have it because they are mid-agers which to us yeah, would be t- like like 20s your university mm. you might be in your tw- you might be somewhere between 17 and 25 at that point you're trying to figure out your life and what you want to yeah. do you're taking this year to travel and do whatever and it makes them more memorable as like the voices you, think, you remember exactly. like those voices are pretty iconic in this book but mm. you think about it if you look around and be like oh, okay how many times do you get on a bus or a train and teenagers get on you're just like oh my god or just fuck up mm. or something like that like that's them, and that's the best portrayal you could put for that. Because yes, they're they they may seem annoying, but they're young, and it's that much more staggering to see when Yomi does her stuff, and it's just like, okay, cool, you you do have a brain there. Yeah. you're just you're so young, you don't know how to rationalize and how to 
hold things and withhold things and play a long game because to Mm -hmm. you you're in that i know i'm right and righteous in this and this and this and you're ready i'm 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 young and invincible yes that mentality right both of them have that but yoponek has the stupid thing in his head where it's just like oh we're gonna be a part of history yeah we're gonna exactly we're gonna go meet the guy and he's being fluffed up so much like yeah it's like not realizing dude you're a weird family mid-ager why do you think this guy's gonna give you any time of day yeah Right. Oh yeah, and, and like it, it wasn't their like personalities or the characters that made me think like, oh look, Expendables. It was just like when they're put into the story and like considering them Everyone versus else. all the other characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It it was just it was just like well these character because these guys are in the lap of danger. I don't think either of them is going to survive. So I was surprised Yoponik survives the whole time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like it's going to be sad when this. he finds out that Yomi's dead. That's the one thing I was surprised about that he they don't. Doesn't find out. Yeah, that they don't well, yeah, go over that. He's, like he's he going still to. thinks he's at the fucking at the planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. gonna be. Still, it's only been like yeah. three weeks, so he's, he's gonna ready to go her. back and find her. Yeah, he's probably yeah, gonna look for her and not find her. Floating through space in some random area. Yeah, yeah exactly. Half so, leaf in the Agbui, man. Yeah, right. But it, it was it was interesting because even with uh, like Lacro and his family, like when, even when they were introduced, the farmers, I was like, well, they're not necessarily expendable, right? They're just they're tertiary characters. They're not going to yeah. matter. It's just putting Yoponek and Yomi in that situation. It's like, well, I, I assume neither of them was getting out of it alive. But I was legit, like, so the entire book, like like we said, when uh, turns out the Yoponek survives, I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I wasn't actually expecting that to to happen. But yeah, they're they're pretty hapless the whole time, and it's it's. You know, half the reason they're there is just to show that... Um, the bird migration, that's Hapleaf, why they're there. Well, no, Happily, that <laughs> Happily is a manipulator, yeah, right? Like, exactly. trying to show how he works. How he works as, like, sad, like, fourth-tier knockoff Thrawn, basically. Yeah, and he has, like, the Force um, sensitivity where he can, like, read people's mind telepathically. I don't know if it's yeah, Force-related yeah. or not, he, but he, he can... can like, like, their race he can, can get emotions by, through touch, yeah. And, and they're, like... And that just might it? be part of their physiology. There's their emotions, yeah, yeah. and it was um, their... They're like ambitions. dreams, like they're yeah. they're hopes and dreams, basically, like they're pure hopes and dreams, and they're like yeah, they're emotions. Because yeah, yeah, when he reads Yomi at the end, and she's like furious. Yeah, it's, like, hatred. it's hatred. Yeah. It's not yeah. just curious. Yeah. He, he comes across, and Thompson, I think this is one of the first books he's done such a good job. Yeah. Really, even without the character speaking, mm-hmm. he portrays their feelings through the text even more than usual yeah oh yeah yeah so when sorry not yopin when Halfleaf touches yomi that for, finally he gets a, like a brush on her and it's pure and he like he's just like hatred and then yeah. <laughs> that's all you can like i jumped back even yeah. when i was listening to it because it was like oh fuck and so you know you know Halfleaf was just like jesus christ yeah and mm-hmm. from there it was just like and then you see yomi just staring at him being like i fucking knew it yeah i knew it and that's where her like young and invulnerable comes through because she's just like i'm gonna expose you and yeah. i knew what you were doing all along and i'm gonna go tell the open neck and you were gonna get off here and you're just like well space ah, time, time to, to die. Die. space her yeah and they, they fucking space her yeah i was well, like i mean what oh, else were they gonna damn. do right? i see i i was they had was already the... poisoned her by that point yeah so right. she's yeah. trying to recover from that at, at that point it was just a question for me of like okay so did they bury her like under the ship yeah. before they left or oh nope okay it is space she's been on board yeah yeah but the the other emotional part that i thought was really good is at the end of the book when thurfian's talking with uh his new senior advisor yeah mm-hmm. and he's like oh yeah no of course i'm happy why wouldn't i be and the senior advisor turns around and thurfian like is like oh god he hates me yeah. it's just like the icy glare that uh you know that advisor um, gives him 
yeah that zon describes and, and thompson voices where it's just like it's so clear yeah that yeah this guy's like the patriarch told me about you before he died and see here's I the thing understand. with that right yeah here's the thing with that it's just like why though because we we don't know i feel like the patriarch had somebody following thurfian around mm. oh 100 and seeing all this bullshit and then telling the aide so unfortunately he dies he's too old and mm. so the aide knows somehow i don't know how but he somehow knows because that looks why why would you give the new patriarch that look unless you knew something yeah yeah right yeah. so from there it's just like oh i guess i have to do my job now but oh, oh, oh man fuck <laughs> you it's yeah. like i have to tell you about this stuff because i have to and it's my job mm. but believe me if you think this is gonna be easy mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'm gonna Sir Davos the shit out of you. Yeah, <laughs> just jump ship and tell the other. Oh yeah, no, this guy's a fucking idiot. Here, here's and, everything you need to know. Yeah, and there is one thing I'm curious about too, because he also tells uh, Thurfian, like, "Hey, tomorrow, once you've had a good meal, I'm going to explain to you our entire history." Yeah, yeah, because you think we're so noble. What was that last thing? Right? Like, like the secret weapon. The star, oh, yeah, star, yeah, star forge. Yeah, I was like an ancient alien weapon. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. Is that is that the star forge shit from like Kotor or like you know what I mean? That that ancient weapon shit. I mean, it could be. There's so many star forge. You need the force to use, which they could use Skywalkers for, but I doubt. It'd be so. I'm I'm, that that was like that caught me off guard at the end of the book. I was I like, think it's going to be a super weapon, something like yeah, the Desolator like a, yeah, or something like that. Death Star type yeah. stuff, yeah, yeah. Because probably it was something to do with the Star Flash that made Chila turn all icy. Yeah. Oh, that's a good yeah. point. Right? Yeah. Which is See, why I was just like, yeah, we're not noble. We fucked up our entire race. Yeah. Or someone did to thing. us. Yeah. And you know what? That See, might play into what Jixus might do. Yeah, yeah maybe. And uh, ironically, like, I don't know. As soon as, as, soon as a super weapon's mentioned in Star Wars... I uh, outside of the Death Star, if it's not obviously the Death Star, I always go to the saddest suit or the the cheesiest super weapon I remember, which is the Sun Crusher. Oh my god! <laughs> you mean so, you mean Star Killer Base? No, no, the it's Sun also Crusher, a Sun Crusher. <laughs> this, oh god. So the Sun Crusher is a single ship that can spin so fast and is so invulnerable that it can fly through a sun and make it explode. I love it. I hate it, but I love it. Whoa. <laughs> I'm a tornado. It's yeah. one of the dumbest super weapons that, that I remember stupid. from Legends. Like, I mean, there's other ones that are... Starkiller is like least... one step above that. Like, Well, like the Desolation engines make sense, right? Starkiller base is, is just lazy. Yeah. Like they've done... Pulling Star a sun into it, it, focusing it into a beam and shooting it through hyperspace. Sure. Yeah, it's just it's just lazy. It's another yeah. Death Star, right? Like they've had that same thing and made it interesting where they had the galaxy gun and the galaxy gun was just, hey, what if we just turn the Death Star into a cannon? Yeah. Which was also kind of cheesy, but it makes sense. Same, yeah, the map- that's basically Starkiller Base. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, Which basically, basically right? the Desolator because it yeah. did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, all these things took the idea from the gravestone and then decided to go ten thousand times. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right, it. and that's we, it. you know, Starforge is another super weapon. Like the World Engines is another one. Yeah. Oh, the World Engines is also weird, though. Yeah, the World Engines is another one, and then Mass Shadow Generator is still one of my favorites. Yeah, it's the one from Bane's um, trilogy. No, no, no this that? is the one from old uh, Jedi Knights of the Republic. What's the one from Bane's? Like the the thing that just wipes out a planet or whatever. I I didn't read it, but I heard about it. Oh, the force, the 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 thought bomb. The thought bomb. That's what it was. Yeah, that, yeah, that that affects bombs. force yeah. users though. I mean, oh, non force yeah. sentient doesn't know what the hell's happening. Okay, yeah. yeah. And the the thought bomb really sounded pretty cool. It's yeah, it's a it's a very special. It's not really a, a weapon. Of, well, it is a weapon of mass destruction. But yeah, like I said, it's a very specific one, mm. which is why it's so cool. Oh yeah, Centerpoint Station's a super weapon too, isn't it? The prison? 
I thought it was. Yeah, I, I think it's classified as one center point station because it's the one that can. Uh, it has the tractor beams that can pull shit out of orbit. I'm pretty sure. How about the one? Um, isn't there one from the um, from Kotor that's maybe I'm thinking of Star Starforge, but the one that the um, the ancient Rakata had? Did they have one? That's that's the Starforge. That is the Starforge. Star yeah. Star okay, yeah. that's what I thought. But yeah, there's a there's a lot, and like I am definitely interested to see where all of this starts to accumulate into something. Because, god damn it, Zon, you are a mastermind and a masterclass <laughs> in writing a book to make you really interested, even if it is a political heavy book. Like I'm not, I don't really like I follow politics loosely, to so that I'm not like ignorant in politics in my in like everyday life. Mm. But at the same time, it's like I don't go out of my way to like look everything up because I really don't care too much in that regard. But like this book kind of had me in that regard where it's like I I don't really care about it, but I'm still interested to see what happens. There's two kind of politics to me though. There's the there's the Palpatine and the the Palpatine Conniving and the Plagueis politics that take that have this overarching plan and it's there and they do the minute things to it's shift so everything time. towards that. Yeah. Then you mm. have the Thurfian Krell plan where it's just like, <laughs> I am going to do the thing because I want to do it. And that's like, ha yes, and destroy the things. So it's like, so what's your actual plan? Well, yeah. if I do all this, maybe they'll let me join them. <laughs> but you, you, you don't know. You're just doing yeah. it. Yes. Okay. At least Krell's plan was more well thought out. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly, right? To tell you how much thought went into that. Oh, yes, I will join Dooku. You can go fuck about you, man. But yeah. you're so convinced that this is what you're going to do and you hate clones. And then here, Thurfian, you're so convinced that this is the right thing and you hate Thrawn. That, oh, yes, this this must be like exactly what Noma's saying. I, I, this is me, and why didn't this word? Oh, oh, God. It's like, mm. come on, dude. It's like, if yes. you need a plan, have an overarching thing. It's like, oh, let Thrawn get the most, most, like, find the one thing on him and just sit on it. Yeah. So mm. he let him get to the pinnacle of whatever. It's like, hey, remember this? Oh, did you know he did this? Mm. What? Oh, oh, oh. And then just let the people do the work for you. But no, I constantly have to put my fingers so I know it's me who did it. It's like, yeah. you still know it's you who did it, even with the Palpatine plan, because mm -hmm. you just sit back and relax. You still become Syndic Prime. Mm -hmm. You still become eventually the patriarch. patriarch, but nobody's looking at you shifty-eyed. Nobody's giving you that icy cold glare of like, yeah, oh, we know you're up to shit because you're plotting with your easy and this and this. No. You've laid your plan out from the start since you became a merit adoptive, and you've just waited. That relationship. And you just observed. And you just looked up. Maybe you got close to Thrawn the way uh, the, the Palpatine got close to Anakin and figured out these things and then start to instill little things and pretend you're helping them with really plotting. Them. Like, that would be more of a plan for me from him to make Thurfian really evil and yeah. really see that. But no, why didn't my plan of the week work? Well, yeah. next time on Dragon Ball Z, let's try something different. Yeah, Fuck. Yeah, and it's just... And that's definitely like one of my biggest problems with Thurfian is it's just it's watching him just fail up, yeah, the yeah. ladder. Like yeah. he and he's failed all the way up the ladder to the top position now. Oh like my the god! The Peter Principle oh has been god. kicking him in the ass, and he's, somehow yeah. he's got plot armor. He's Buggy yeah. the Clown. No, don't insult he Buggy is? like that. He is though. Don't in, he fails don't upwards? Insult, no, don't insult Buggy like that. He, he fails that's, upwards. That's, no. That's insulting to Buggy. Okay. Oh um, <laughs> one thing I'm excited to see in the next They're, book. They they both follow that path, but Buggy's a much better character. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm excited. Also, sorry. Oh, uh, also, ahead. I'm gonna interrupt you one more time because I did look it up. Centerpoint Station yeah. isn't technically a super weapon, but it is 
it does have a tractor beam that's capable of literally being powerful enough to move entire planets. Yeah, okay. so that, that is, that that is, is super weapon kind of things. Well. That can yeah, fuck up an yeah. entire solar system. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it can um, just stabilize entire worlds. But Jesus yeah. Christ. I'm excited to see the Thurfian patriarch Thurfian now and mm-hmm. the relationship between him and Zestalmu, mm-hmm. who is the family of uh, Syndic still. Yes. So that's mm-hmm. that's going to be an interesting dynamic now because Thurfian was the prime Syndic and uh, Zestalmu didn't know because it's a secret in the families. But now that yeah. he's the patriarch, that's something that Zestalmu is going to know. Mm. And there's going to be a power differential there. <laughs> exactly. Well, especially, especially because Thurfian's like, if, I mean, again, it just goes to show how annoying is or how dumb his character is. But if he was, if he went up to Zestalmu and was like, hey, now that I'm patriarch, we have a lot more resources to use yes. to work together. Yeah destroy Thrawn. But the way he frames it is he's like, I can't fucking wait to rub it in his face. Yeah. He's gonna lose I know. his it's fucking it's mind. It's that pride and that it's, honor yeah. and like that it's Bullshit. that same and stuff it, as uh, it's, yeah. Yeah, and it's something where I, I, I think and we'll see if it happens in book three, but I feel like he's actually gonna destroy his own alliance and start to turn Zestalmo against him now oh, with yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. And if anything's gonna happen that, that culminates in the banishment, it's going to be the fact that, because Jixtus mentions in this book because Kalori's like, are you going to kill Thrawn? He goes, I don't have to kill him. Mm-hmm. We just have to take him out of the game. Yeah. Right? And he even says, like, exile or, you know, neutralization. That's all that needs to happen for like, us to strand him on a level moon, the playing even, field more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, whatever it takes, right? So yeah. I feel like Jixtus is going to be the one who succeeds where Therfian and Zestalmo are too busy tripping over each other and failing. I, I honestly think that Jixtus might contact somehow Therfian, and I don't know how yeah. that would go, because if... <clears throat> if Thurfian's like, oh, can you help me with Thrawn? And Jix is like, of course. Of course you I can. Help me. Yeah. You know, I just need you to do this one thing. And it's not, it's not like, it's not apparent to Thurfian that it's going to go against the ascendancy as a mm-hmm. whole, but it's a part of the piece. You know, right? you know what could also be interesting is, and granted, I don't know if this maybe won't come to happen because of what's in the original Thrawn books, mm-hmm. but if Jixtus basically is like, yes, of course I'll help, and then actually sets it up in a way that the myth family is d- destroyed. As his plan comes, I can to totally see that happening. Yeah, because that's that's one thing I've been kind of curious about is how is Thrawn banished, but he still has Mithron Mithron Urodo mm-hmm. as his name, right? So that could be why, if he's the last one, or cause... if he was banished before he knows that it was destroyed. Yeah, or if he was exiled, like if he if he got out of there before it was destroyed, mm. then he would he would um, know he's still Mithron Urodo, right? Well, I mean, again, interesting right? like, theories. That's all I'll yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again, right, like because because I don't know the main trilogy, it could also make sense if it's like, well, I'm keeping the Mithran Yoroto name, but you know, I've seen now what my presence does to the Chiss Ascendancy, so I think it's time for me to leave. Does he ever? Mm-hmm. Okay, never mind. We'll, we'll skip no, that. He we does really mention something when uh, you first meet him and Eli's talking to him. Yeah, I won't remind myself of this I, now. We'll yeah, get I want to get into that anyway. again because mm-hmm. I want to read it again. But the last thing, I I want the la- the only how do I say this. The only comeuppance that we haven't seen in this book, because they're great. I'm going to talk about Lakuvi even in a second. Mm. But the Magus, I want to see, like, in this last book or whatever, end up on her planet, realize nobody's dead and everybody's trying to do things. Then she's yeah. going to be like, oh, my God, I, I need to see that. Yeah, because seriously. I, I want her to see, like, <laughs> how much they were trying to help you and you were just, no, oh, kill myself. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, God. If you stop and listen to me, no, I had to hurt anything in two weeks. Maybe because the comm systems were down. Maybe because something you realize there was just a civil war. You're not even making an attempt to. You just want to die. It's like if you're that distraught. To be fair, 
No, I was yeah. Like, no, you can still make your point. But yeah. yeah, I was gonna like we talked about this before the podcast. I was fucking done with her after the oh, second conversation, too. where she's like, no, we have to die. No, we have to die. You don't understand. Nobody understands me. I I fucking cut myself in the bathroom listening to Lincoln Park. We just have to die. It's just like you you're the worst fucking failure of a leader I've ever seen in my life. To be fair, the only thing that I am like I understand is it's because it's part of their culture, like as a as a species, right? Like. That is something that is like overarching their entire species is that is what it is. Like if you. But they thought nobody was like them for that. And then when Thalius full on explains Sheila and all that, and she she stops us and she's like, what? You you were able to. That's ignorance, right? That's not knowing. Right? Well, or not exactly. wanting now to you're know. Not, you're, not, you're not ignorant because you've heard an answer to yeah. the Yeah, problem. and then you're still in this mindset, yeah. And yeah, then you and still then, turn then back on 180. Then then you, no, then you, you won't even take the chance. Like, maybe instead of being stuck in culture, if I want to really help my people and not just follow some backdated thing, let's let's go back. Let's check it out. They get there and they don't get a chance to check it out. Oh, we, we didn't get to check it out. We're yeah. here. Oh, oh the planet no, looks, no, we didn't get to check it out. You look bad. Everyone dead. Yeah, yeah, and exactly like the point that Ed brings up with with Thalius, where she she points out Sheila, and then she even is just, like, and the last conversation is screaming at her like, well, "You don't know. You saw the planet. Could you see the people from the mm-hmm. planet? No, from space. How no. Do you know. So you need to go to. Oh no, no, yeah. we she, can't go well, there. She, no, she, people. She was also in not a good mind space. Like she was in despair. She was not in a good mind space. She wanted to just. End These it, are people saying you're, then you're, you're, a then you're a bad leader. You're a coward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I agree and with she, you. And then the whole line she drops like, "Oh, well, you want somebody else to lead?" And then it says like, "Honestly, right now, yeah." And yeah. she was willing to do it. And then Thalius comes in again with that brooch that, and then she yeah. like, then Which, that's where she's like, "Oh shit, there are people whatever, still lying down there." It, and it's it's funny as well because Thalius is just like Thrawn taking even more risks basically in this book because mm. like I don't even know if these two things are related. Well, I'm gonna make up yeah. bullshit right now, ha! And then it's just oh my god, it actually was right. Because yeah. Thalius's fault is that she's always second guessing herself, and yeah. from that she yeah. doesn't have the confidence. But when she gets pissed off because yeah. you're just being completely irrational, is when she's just like, mm. like, "Fuck you! You look at this and you tell me something." And I can imagine Thrawn just sitting there just being like. <laughs> she's learning that's exactly Finally. it i was about to say yeah. like she, she's becoming more of a independent and like um uh critically uh, thinking yeah critical thinker of, of a character and uh that is because of thrawn in the first book that mm. set it off and then the patriarch talking to her and all these other things right these these are the events that are creating these character development through these books that really is like timothy zahn knows how to create characters that are great mm-hmm. you know what i mean and the this shows Thales is a caregiver she's a she's a she's a, a glorified nanny right essentially mm-hmm. in the in the expansionary fleet but like i care about her so much and she has made so much development over the past two books i can't wait to see what happens in the third book with her well, oh, she's, she's not Oh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say she's got one of my favorite conversations in this book as well, yeah. where she's talking with Zestalma or Zestalma. She's talking with Zemacro, uh, and she's basically explaining like, "Hey, uh, Chiri should come out of hyperspace at this point." Yes. Oh, yes. Because th- this is how we get the most optimal performance out of her and make sure she's suffering the least. And Zemacro's like, "How do you know this?" And she goes, "Oh, I just, I just back referenced it for myself and then ran some tests on Chiri." And Zemacro's like. Why doesn't the ascendancy do this? The ascendancy is perfect. She's like, no, they, they don't, they don't really care about us. It's out of us being tools. And he's like, no, that's that's not it. We're not lazy. I'm like, 
Smackerel, I get that you're like you are an amazing captain and you're a great person, but a lot of that loyalty that is just ascendancy makes you blind. Really blinds you to a lot of the the just <laughs> yeah. normalcy of it. So that was a great conversation though. You. And he's yeah. like, I'm gonna make a note of that and tell them. Yeah, and she, and they I like how the alias is like, yeah, he can do it, but they don't really care about us yeah. in terms yeah. of emotions. So good luck. Because it makes sense that former Skywalkers, I, I know that they don't want to, that they don't mm-hmm. want anything back to me. Because all the caregivers they've had have been shit. Yeah, she's so the first one. Want to go. She's the first so, one in a hundred years. Yeah, she's yeah. the pioneer to be like, no, we should be doing this because we're the ones who understand the most. And can you imagine how much more a Skywalker who is happy and who likes their caregiver yeah. and who oh, yeah. wants to play and who wants to learn all this shit would be able to like they're not just there to use as tools they are growing it's, they're you yeah. making this dispassionate part of your own race that does not care for you because of all the shit they've had to go through as kids mm-hmm. it's it's an intrinsic part and i mean we see it all the time in in our world right where it's just like the intrinsic problem in the system that's already been brought too far where it's it's the psycho right it's the yeah. the skywalker grows up with caregivers who don't care about her, so then she in turn doesn't care about Skywalkers when she gets out of the program. She just wants to go so and do her own thing. Yeah, so then there's nobody that can help that next generation of Skywalkers, so that cycle just continues in itself. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, what Samakura is saying would be good, but are you going to change not that enough. system? Yeah, how are you going to change that system when it's been hundreds of years already? And it, it's interesting as well, because the Chiss Ascendancy starts coming across more like a, almost not quite like a communist like dictatorship but kind of similar where it's that mentality of you know every on the outset it's you know we all we're all chiss we all work for the same thing we're all doing stuff for the ascendancy and then we actually start looking at it it's all just power struggles Mm -hmm. right and family battles Um, yeah yeah, it's like a weird it's like a weird mix between democracy and communism because like you've got that communism kind of mindset but then it's democracy like all the politics is the hierarchy still yeah yeah and the one thing i was gonna say like if you're thinking about communism like the the vax combine that is like pretty like everybody's voice matters everybody that's, gets what that's they like need. full marxism kind of yeah, yeah i guess so yeah, yeah. pure at that point yeah, that's like, true. Now, that's yeah. True. member number 237 yeah. hasn't said their say yeah. Yeah. Oh, what do they no, want to say yeah, yeah yeah and then it also it's a little bit more i mean granted this is all just speculation from what yeah. we've seen but it also seems like right it in terms of politically yeah it is more marxist communism yeah, but true. it still has you know, a rigid kind of capitalist hierarchy because we have, you know, art gallery directors and military yes, leaders. That's and blah, true. Blah, 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 blah. So, all right. The, the one other thing that kind of reminded me of the communism, though, was something that they point out in this book, which I had to stifle a laugh at because it's like, oh, you guys are really drinking the Kool Aid. We learn what they refer to the rest of the galaxy as in this book. Oh, at yeah. least it's just space, right? Yeah, lesser space. Uh, <laughs> I was like, okay. They say that in the first book. They can do book, more though. with technology. Did they? Yeah, in yeah. the first book, when they go yeah. see Anakin. They have to go into lesser space, and that's where they're oh, going, and they talk point. about it. Yeah, yeah. Because Cheery is just like, oh, no, we're in lesser space now. It's scary. And that, yeah, mm-hmm. lesser space has all the technology that can get them into hyperdrive, hyperspace, yeah. no problem. Or it's just it's exactly. Right? And all that, and you guys are so backdated. You're using, you guys, if their like energy, if any yeah. of their ships came to you, you'd get wrecked. Yeah, you get curb stomped. They couldn't get to you. Yeah, yeah, that's the point. Yeah, their yeah. spectrum lasers wouldn't be able to go through their shields because they just dissipate. Yeah. Their plasma stuff again wouldn't work. Ion rounds, everything like that, they get torn apart. Yeah. So it's just like that's yeah. not lesser space, my guy. You are lesser space. Yeah. All right. Like but this really like, is yeah. the chaos where you guys have no idea what's going on. So well, lesser it, space it, for it, them is same. not the galaxy; it's the outer rim. Remember too. So it's like backwater worlds. That's why they probably think it's lesser space. But even outer rim ships can still destroy a bunch of patrol craft that they would have. Not as much as the degree of like the ISD. 
Well, I'm not saying everything is a star destroyer at that point, but in in yeah, yeah. the galaxy far far away that yeah. we know, everyone's they're using they're that tech, using yeah. the same proprietary yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like, they're still like a freighter has a shield generator exactly, on it. Exactly, because yeah. they still have to fight each other. Yeah, and particle fighting. lasers instead yeah. of spectrum lasers. Yeah. yeah, so they would they'd still go through like how this one ship destroys so many others. Like, it's like four G versus five well, G. And also, well, this just occurred to yeah. me too. Think of what think of what would happen if they're like, "Huh, that's fine. We can take a breacher missile," and then they get hit with a proton torpedo. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Right. Yeah. Just being like, like, ah, it's fine. It'll knock out the weapons. Oh god, and it breached the hull yeah. through. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and imagine because what um, Aurelani commands is a night dragon, which is their pretty much their galleon. Yeah. At this yeah. point, right. Um, war vessel. That thing Big is war vessel, and it's gigantic. It's it rivals. I think I will. I'll probably confirm this for the next episode. But I was not super. But I'd say that's probably the equivalent of their Star Destroyer, mm. whereas, um, you know, because the 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 um, the Springhawk is either a light or a heavy cruiser. Heavy cruiser. Yeah. Yeah, because the Gray Strike is also a heavy cruiser. That would be like mm. a frigate. Uh, I don't know. Uh, no, a big, like between a frigate and a Star Destroyer. It would be like a Victory Star Destroyer versus an Imperial Star Destroyer. Okay. I think. Victory Class One. Yeah, yeah, Victory One and Imperial. Okay. So. I think, I think. All right. Well. Because remember, the Springhawk was like, yeah, one battle Dreadnought's not that bad. Yeah. Two is actually kind of a problem. Yeah. Six is, oh God. But yeah, like, because when Zemakra's getting chased by the one Dreadnought, he's like, well, this isn't optimal, but we can probably do something. Yeah, we, so, can, do, we can do this. Yeah. Any other points before we get into our rankings? I wish Bakif was in this more. <laughs> yeah, Bakif's in it like at the end. Yeah, yeah. I love Bakif. He's just he's up in like the top of the military now, so he has no, no like yeah. real reason he's, to be in the story. He's like the opposite of Thurfian, where when Thur well Thurfian is just screaming that um you know I can't get anything right and why is this all happening? Bakif is like why can't I just do things? Why yeah. why is the political machine stopping me from actually doing shit I need to do? Yeah. Mm. And then especially at the end where he's just like, everyone is strong arming me. I can't get an answer out of anyone. Yeah. But I do like how, and again, it just shows like why I like Bakif as a character where he's like, okay, nobody's giving me an answer. The only person I can get an answer out of is Thrawn. And I'll do it when I know that no one's going to fuck with me. Yep. And it's just that kind of like taking a moment to be like, all right, if I talk to Thrawn right now, all the family is going to see me do it. So as soon as the next crisis comes up, yep. I can ask Thrawn and no one will care because they'll have already forgotten about it. I, th I just thought that was really neat, right? Like just seeing how seeing how everyone in Thrawn's ally circles are like the smart chess. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like everyone right. else falls to the wayside. Oh my god. Uh, but yeah, I think that's about it. Like the only other point that I, I really had because we kind of talked about this in the beginning is there's a little bit of of uh, what would you, I guess thematic irony because the ship that uh, Lakinda's piloting at the end, right as the Civil War is about to kick off, is the Midsummer. And Dan pointed out that, you know, it just reminds you of Midsummer Night's Dream, right? Which yeah, yeah. kind of makes thematic sense because Midsummer Night's Dream's entire point is like, hey, this is a play about nothing. None of the stuff here matters. It's all just a daydream. That's the... If you ever wanted to know what that the huge long monologue that Puck gives at the end of Mid Midsummer Night's Speech is supposed to be about, it's literally him just saying, hey, you just watched something that doesn't matter. Yeah. None of this has any significance, you know, especially compared to things like Hamlet and Romeo and Juliet. But mm -hmm. that's why it's a... 
oh god i'm getting into my old high school drama stuff that's why it's called a comedy because yeah. comedies were were just supposed to be just things just everyday kind of stupid stuff yeah exactly that doesn't really matter so it's just it's you know bringing it back to the midsummer it is the ship the midsummer that it is a battle that means nothing and literally has no significance can you imagine just... that ship just being decommissioned after the <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Yeah, we don't even we don't need reminders of this fight. Okay, yeah, right. Or just mount an asshat on it to make the symbolism even more oh <laughs> obvious. But yeah, I think that's uh, about everything that we had. So from here, let's head into our rankings. Mm-hmm. All right. So for this episode, I mean, I think we've made this opinion pretty clear at this point that Greater Good, while it is an interesting book, we I don't think any of us like it as much as Chaos Rising. Yeah. But yeah, I guess, you know what, since I gave the first ranking for Chaos Rising, I'll give the same rank first ranking for Greater Good. I'm giving this book a 7, which is a bit of a step down from the 8.5 I gave Chaos Rising, but yeah. it's mostly, yeah. the, it's honestly, and I understand why it was done, and I do think that it, it was a necessary sacrifice, but the pacing is so slow. Yeah, the beginning it, is it real tough. Me, yeah, it reminds me of another book that I read, which, uh, if you like 40k... It's called Pariah, and it's a book that's done by one of my favorite authors. And I mean, same thing with Timothy Zahn, one of my favorites. But in Pariah and in Greater Good, man, it's just, it's so slow, and there's almost no action, and all the interesting stuff happens in the last, like, hour or two hours of the books. It keeps you a little bit intrigued with some of the things that are happening with the battles and things like that, which is really what, like, Thrawn is known for, and that's kind of what we want to see. And doing that parallel back to Pariah, I will say this. Greater Good did keep me more engaged than Pariah did because Pariah, there were whole chunks where I just, I didn't, I stopped paying attention. Partly that's because I was, I was reading it instead of listening to it. It's not, it's just the same thing. It's just, there's, there's less action interspersed within Pariah. So when I'm hit with that much more politics and world building with no interesting breaks, Mm -hmm. it just, my focus just starts to waver. So yeah, I'm, I'm still excited for the next book. This gives a lot of good world building and a lot of, you know, interesting developments for certain characters and insights into new ones. But all in all, it this just seems like the the filler of this <clears throat> trilogy. Definitely. Basically. And uh, yeah, Ed, how about you? Yeah, I gave it a 7.5. Same, similar reasons to Noma as well. Um, the 0.5 was just for... I also Our, just realized, sorry, uh, it's a big step down for me because I misread the number. I gave it a nine. I yeah, gave it a nine. Down, yeah. We that's all gave it a nine. Seven, seven. Think, yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's big, right. It's a big jump down. Yeah, um, but sorry, I interrupted. The politics in this one, just because of how they were, the one book I read that was full of politics and full of revenge, one of my favorite books of all time, The Count of Monte Cristo. And oh, yeah. listening to that book is 50 hours or so. Man. It is a long one. But I was engaged the entire time because, as mm-hmm. Noma said, pacing is everything. Mm-hmm. And you get really good pacing. You The politics in it span for so long, and you do get those just desserts. You do get those rewards. But the way they span them, there's always something dealing with them. Here, it jumped so much where it was like, if memories was like, the whole prologue and then we got into the book instead of having it dispersed throughout everything that really took away from like you're just getting into something and it jumps so you think okay maybe we're going back here and then memories comes up and you're just like well i'm gonna just detach (laughs) myself now 
and mm. just okay i guess this is going on okay that relates to this 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 but if we had gotten all of that like that should have been the short story before greater good if that was the case mm. going into it this would have been a little higher for me because i would have been able to be like let's go let's go let's go but i found a lot of times where especially because i was listening to this during night shifts i was starting to fall asleep which was really detrimental to everything going on and i was just mm. like man like this is every time i've listened to a book throughout a night anything like that i've been so engaged it's kept me going through everything this has been the first one that's really hit me like this and i was like i was really upset because i there was it got to the last like two three hours where i really did want to pay attention and even then i couldn't hold focus onto it until that last bit where i ended up just listening at home because i really wanted to finish it at that point but to get to that point i had to slog and fight through this book to get to you and i don't want to have that i understand it's a setup book yeah so this i don't think the 7.5 will change mm-hmm. but if if this 7.5 leads to a 10 so be it. oh my god if we give a book a 10 yeah it, it, it <laughs> would be it would be the next book which is uh, lesser evil ron is lesser evil oh my god okay i'm excited to see if it's better than the first because i think yeah, I what so. will happen with lesser evil It'll turn into a Rogue One, a New Hope situation. Yeah. Where before Rogue One, a New Hope would come up and be like, oh, it's, it's the first one. Yes, uh, I'll watch it. I don't know what happens, but eh. But after watching Rogue One, you want to immediately go into a New Hope because it mm. gives you so much more perspective that you're just like, go. And the way it ends and starts off, it's like right there, so crisp, so clean. It's like you know the next scene is the beginning of the next movie right yeah so it's just like for for lesser evil if it ends off it's just like boom here and then you start off with thrawn just the initial one you know it's like okay let's get into this new one like Mm -hmm. that i'm hoping for because if it's an overall great book that leads into that yes amazing but we'll see we'll see nice Mm -hmm. And for mine, I also give it a 7.5. And honestly, I agree with both of you on everything. There's not much I can add to it. <laughs> I did enjoy the parts that I said I enjoyed and the parts that were kind of politically strong. It was okay. Um, it lost me a few parts near the beginning and I was kind of in and out of it. And then as you get to know the characters, you kind of can follow it as it goes without paying so much attention to it. Um, and I think it also lends itself to an audiobook very well. Like Mark Thompson and Timothy Zahn, they're like a, a powerhouse between those two. If Timothy Zahn writes a book, Mark Thompson needs to read it. Hmm. Ooh, you know? Sorry, I had to add one more thing. Uh, something else that really made me struggle through, and I don't know if this was because of a previous book, but I really got jarred when we we hit uh, Selwis. We didn't hear much about it. Like, we heard farming and stuff like that, but I didn't realize hmm. how outer rim backwater it would be. Yeah. Because that wasn't explained a lot. So yeah. as soon as characters started coming with the Eli Vanto accent, that threw <laughs> me. Yeah. And I was just like, wait, what, what, why? Like I, there was the Aralani accent and the regular ones and everything mm. like that. And it was just like, okay, so it's kind of like, this is space Russia. Sure. Yeah. And then to get this was like, oh, okay, how did we get from that to this? And please tell me how and why is, so- okay, they're farmers. So because they're farmers, they got to have this way. What? And the entire time I was just trying, I spent like four hours trying to justify that. And finally, when mm-hmm. I just came to accept it, that point I was just like, uh, now at that point I just wanted it to end. Yeah. 
more so than yeah, it's, it wasn't until they really started showing off because Lakuvi through this entire thing just pissed me off <laughs> because with that voice me like i'm gonna turn all this around it's like calm down cowboy you're not turning yeah. around shit he's right? like the sheriff of the town yeah that's what it felt like more than counselors like you're yeah. sheriff and everything you're saying you're trying to underhand everybody you're not helping anybody in this place at all but yourself yeah, he's getting, he's getting wrapped know, around the finger very and easily. hopefully hopefully lesser evil will go into how large the chis ascendancy is because yeah you know we've gotten hints about it and you know the defense fleet is stretched thin and all stuff like that but yeah i think we definitely need to know how how many planets and how vast the ascendancy is yeah, everybody nice keeps saying map. like there, there's mm-hmm. a lot of space in the ascendancy you could go wherever you want kind of stuff like this is like okay is that like the entire outer rim is it the equivalent of the sith empire mm. is it the equivalent of the republic and how much how many worlds are in there because that gives you that scale you can imagine like if you think republic there was the core worlds there was the mid rim the yeah, parts yeah. of the outer rim like you know how gigantic that is the sith empire at a certain point they had their 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 space up at the top with like Drom and Koss mm. and um, the one the one that started with a Z, uh, all those right? Zios, Zios, yeah. yeah. Okay. You had all those, and it was just like okay, but that was a short. By the time we know it, that was a small section of space. So it's just like they're an empire, but an empire of that. Yeah. So if it's like oh, we're the ascendancy, but you're the ascendancy of that, and then the rest of it mm. is just pure chaos. It's just like. Is there a lot of spin? Not really. Which then lets me think: is like, so how the hell do you have this when everywhere is so close? Like, it, it's where did it come from? Like, mm-hmm. the, a lot of that really, really, really needs to be explained to me. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hundred percent. But uh, yeah, I think that about wraps up our conversation on greater good. We hope you've all enjoyed it. And now that we are done, let's head into the outro. Welcome to the end of this episode of Voice of the Force. If you've stuck around this long, as always, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. And uh, for our next episode, which will not... We'll probably be taking a little bit of a break until we come back to the next episode. But when we do, we're also going to be jumping back a little bit in real life chronology because we are going all the way back to Star Wars Volume 3, Rebel Jail, as well as Darth Vader Volume 4, End of Games, which is a very fitting title since we have just stepped away from the shoe to run war and all that weird dancing stuff that Mm -hmm. they were so obsessed with. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, outside of that, we are still doing our May 4th giveaway, like we said at the top of the episode. Dan, do you mind going over that one more time in case anyone missed the instructions at the beginning? Yeah, so go on Twitter, go on Instagram, find the posts that uh, we posted a little while ago with the limited run game Star Wars Republic Commando for the PS4 limited edition giveaway that we are giving away. Uh, you can enter on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you look at the rules specifically to make sure you get entered properly, because if you don't follow the rules, you sadly don't get an entry. Um, you got to do all those things. There's only three things or two things on um, Twitter and three things on Instagram. So follow those directly. And then if you do, you get entered for a chance to win. And if you win, you'll be receiving it hopefully in October when it is supposed to be delivered to us. And then we'll deliver it to you. So yeah, that's uh, the contest. Again, Twitter and Instagram. Go there, find us at VoiceForcePod and take a look at the instructions on how to do that. 
Yeah, so if you want any more information on that, honestly, check out the website. We have a lot of posts on there. If you've missed anything, if you want to find a previous episode, we have a lot of previous episodes on there. We go over the rules multiple times, especially in the last few weeks. So that's something to look out for. If you have more questions about greater good, or if you have more questions about the contest, you can email us at voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. Use the subject line. You can put in May 4th giveaway in the subject line for that, or you can put greater good discussion in the subject line for that, and we'll be able to answer those questions there. If you'd rather use social media, like Dan said, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Find us at voiceforcepod. There, if you retweet stuff, you repost stuff. Retweeting stuff already gets you into the giveaway if you retweet with your friends' names, not any company or anything like that. So that helps us out. That helps you out, especially. On Instagram, same thing. And while you're doing that, you are helping us grow the listener base as well. More people be interested in the giveaway. More people be interested in the episodes. That's something that is appreciated, and we'd love you for it. And finally, but listen, rate, review, follow, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, and all major podcast platforms. If you do leave a five-star review, eh, maybe we'll put more of your name in a hat. Ooh, no, 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 we won't do that. But honestly, it, we would just very much appreciate it. <laughs> because if you do... I mean, we'll put your name follow- in a hat, but we won't do anything with it. <laughs> we'll read your name out on the... We'll, we'll put your name in a hat. And we'll take it out and read it on the podcast and say what you said in your review. Yeah. So if you follow if you follow the podcast, we will have that latest episode link up for you as soon as it releases. It's all kind of like a notification bell on YouTube if you need something to think of uh, that's similar. But please do so. Thank you very much, Ed and Dan, for that information. And from all of us here at Voice of the Force and Temple Archives, thanks again for listening. And may the Force be with you.